0: My life is really um, complex, there are things about me that you wouldn't understand.
1: To power, turbines to speed.
0: Batman! Welcome to Now Playing's Batman movie retrospective series. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Part of the Now Playing DC Comics movie series. Ah, oh, gives a fella a good feeling to know they're up there doing their job. With our all-star hosts, Jacob the Dark Knight. It's time you learned what it means to be a man. Stuart, the boy reviewer. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. And the clown prince of podcasting, Arnie. I'm getting slow in my old age, Arthur. Even you got too old to die young. Each week at nowplayingpodcast.com, we'll be watching another Batman film. Now, the real Have you ever danced with a spoiler in the pale moonlight? This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. What do you suppose something like this does to a kid? Listener discretion is advised.
2: Enough monkey business.
0: We've got work to do. (sighs) Monkey work. And
1: here we Hear ye, hear ye. Today we hear the case of Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, starring Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Jesse Eisenberg, Diane Lane, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeremy Irons, Holly Hunter, Gal Gadot, directed by Zack Snyder. The podcast is coming. The podcast is coming. This is Artie, co-host of Now Playing. Stewart in LA. And this is the host that does bleed, Jacob. We'd tried with Green Lantern, but Man of Steel took flight. We're in a DC universe here, folks. They changed plans a little bit. They wanted to do Iron Man, two Superman films, plus a couple others, and bring them together at Justice League. And then plans change.
2: Yeah, it does feel like they're jumping to the Justice League very quickly, and then they're going to go back and fill in the gaps or give solo stories, the opposite of what Marvel's doing.
3: But it's not Justice League quite yet.
2: It's the dawn of the Justice League.
3: Why did they do this? What we're supposed to think is Godzilla versus King Kong, Freddy versus Jason. Alien versus Predator, all of which I would say gives us the idea that we're in a universe of camp, fun, silliness.
2: Have you seen a Zack Snyder film? I, I don't know if camp, fun, silliness is something that he doesn't, at least intentionally. Sucker Punch fits all that, but wasn't intentional. But how could you
3: take this concept seriously? I mean, the shock of this for me is how deeply rooted it is into that solemn Man of Steel movie and the Dark Knight trilogy. Both of which, just for the record, I want to point out... I gave green arrows to all. I liked all those movies.
2: And there is a history of this in the comics. I mean, Dark Knight Returns, which Arnie and I reviewed on Books and Nachos, that is the big climax is Batman v Superman. That's probably the best of the many Batman v Superman fights that became popularized after Frank Miller did it.
1: Snyder said what he wanted to do is make the Dark Knight Returns. But he had created this DC Extended Universe, is what they call it. It's very clumsy as compared to Marvel Cinematic. I find DC Extended Universe a little confusing. But they needed to bring that Batman into the world they had already created for Superman. But I think what happened was Man of Steel did well. I'm not trying to say it did poorly, But fans and critics alike were kind of on it and it didn't make as much as I think they'd hoped. So they decided they needed to ramp it up. They need to get into the Marvel game. So instead of doing Man of Steel 2 and other films leading up, they decided they're going to jump into this, which is both... Batman 1 and Man of Steel 2 and neither at the same time. I I feel bad and we'll talk about it, but for all the supporting cast of Man of Steel who should have had something to do in the sequel. Man, Lawrence Fishburne, I feel bad for you here, man. Hey, <laughs> at least got you got really? rid of
2: that earring. <laughs>
3: You wanted more Lawrence here? Uh, Okay, I thought the main event was seeing two superheroes fight. And again, I thought the only reason to do that would be some kind of playground score. Like you could finally settle what you started when you were 12 years old and arguing with your friend about who was tougher. But it's not really that kind of movie. And
1: this is the year for it, right? Marvel's going to be doing it with Civil War. Marvel really started it with the first Avengers film. I mean, we had Iron Man versus Thor versus Cap, Hulk versus Thor. Then in
3: a- Avengers 2, we had Iron Man versus Hulk. No, 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 no. We had a, a scene. We didn't have a movie dedicated to that.
2: Look, th- maybe there is some whole five-issue story arc about these two coming to blows, but dark Knight returns. It's a few pages and and they've revisited this because that's so popular, but it's always like, we're going to fight because there's some misunderstanding, whether it's their first meeting or ones under mind control, but it's never like, Oh, one of these is definitely going to put the other one in the grave and win. Like it's always, it is like that Avengers movie where, Oh, we're all fighting at the beginning, but we're going to come together to fight the real bad guy at the end.
3: And
1: I'll say this. I never judge a movie by its marketing. But that second trailer, the first trailer for this movie got me so pumped. The whole, do you bleed? And all of that. I'm like, I want to see this movie. The second one where they showed Doomsday and showed the three of them, Wonder Woman included, standing together. I'm like, okay, you've left me no surprises in this film. Now the question is, can I enjoy the
2: ride to get there? Yeah, but there are some surprises, I think, as we get into this. And I'll say this. I went back and watched the Man of Steel A couple of days before I saw this just to get back into, okay, what is the Snyderverse all about? And you know what? Half of that film is really good because it's so crazy. Like when you start off on Krypton and there's weird crypto dragons flying around, I'm like, wow, this is like blowing me away. Like that's what I feel about DC's universe. I really don't know what's going to happen. Like Marvel, I feel like they've hit a formula and I, I know what's going to happen in a Marvel film. Like DC feels so desperate. Warner Brothers feels so desperate. Like they are going to throw it all out there and it may not stick to the wall, but I'm hoping to see some crazy, but I agree a little bit with you, Arnie. That second trailer ruins some of the surprises, but to my surprise, th- there's still some big ones in here that didn't leak out.
3: I did rewatch Man of Steel as well. I think out of the three of us, I liked it the most, or at least that's how it sounded on that last show. And I stand by that. I actually think it's a really solid movie and not as good as the first two Nolan Dark Knight movies, but there's reason to be on Team Bat and there's reason to be on Team soups at the start of this. Did you guys have a dog in the fight? Was there someone you were hoping that was going to win? Or is it a foregone conclusion that they're going to be friends by the end?
1: That's really funny. is because before I went into my screening, I had Marjorie take my photo because they had this giant banner of Batman versus Superman. And my question going in was am I team Batman or am I team Superman? The the people on our Facebook page saw that, thought it was post-movie, and like, oh, we know what Arnie thinks of this film. (laughs) I'm like, I didn't have a dog in the race. I wanted to know which side I came out on. Whereas with Civil War, I know I'm team Iron Man.
2: You're wrong, but (laughs) team Cap all the way. But yeah, no, I was team Batman going in, one, because I just like Batman more, but the one thing that and I said this on The Man of Steel, I don't like this Superman, this Henry Cavill, and it's not, I guess, the actor's fault. I I think he looks fine as Superman. I just think... This version is kind of stupid and runs into buildings and kills thousands of people. So, yeah, I want to see, is he going to be held accountable at some point for what he's done? And that's what I was hoping going into this. That
3: again. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're having that conversation. This
1: whole movie is a
3: reaction
1: to that. This whole movie is people who on the Internet (laughs) raged about the destruction. I watched Man of Steel 2 again. And my God is some of that stupid, like the death of Pa Kent. It's stuff I called out on our podcast. I've learned to just accept its stupidity and realize I'll enjoy the parts I like but the destruction this entire movie is reactionary yeah anything that Snyder says about well it was always our plan bull bull i don't believe a word of it this is you saw the hate on the internet and decided hey we can make that into a movie
2: I mean, the number of times they're going to call out, oh, that island, there's no one on it. Oh, that that port, there's no one there. We've evacuated. It's night. There's no one in downtown at this point. Like, they make it a point. Yeah, downtown Metropolis has a shitty nightlife. No, you go to Gotham for the good nightlife. (laughs) They have all the best clubs, which is apparently across the street from Metropolis. But you get mugged if you go to Gotham. And you die because of Superman if you stay in Metropolis. (laughs)
1: I I can't believe they destroyed Metropolis. We got to get into this. But (laughs) how did you guys see it? I saw an opening night, crowded show, 3D. I like the 3D. I think the opening scene, which was filmed in IMAX cameras, looks great, even on a non-IMAX 3D showing.
3: Oh, is that the one that's shot in 3D? That was the time that I thought 3D worked the best was in the Batman backstory that opens the movie or whatever. Yeah. All the falling pearls and the the gun pointed at the audience. Yeah, uh, that stuff is good. Overall, yeah, I saw IMAX 3D, and I felt about it like I always feel about most 3D, but I did like that sequence.
2: And I saw this just on a regular theater. I went to a Thursday night show, and I think the first... Thursday night showing, at least at the theater I was at at 6 p.m. And I read online that Fandango said this is like one of their highest selling pre-ticket movies in their history. Ah, That theater is about a third full and it's spring break here. Maybe it got busier as the night went on. But yeah, I just saw it in regular normal 2D.
3: Mine was crowded. It was the first showing. It wasn't particularly animated, though. And it was mostly guys bringing a few of their girlfriends.
2: No, mine was a pretty big mix. There was families there, little kids there, which, okay. Couples there, young couples, older couples. So it is an eclectic mix at mine.
1: And mine, the audience was all ages. Like, people who I'm sure were, like, teenagers and adults when they first saw Christopher Reeve grace the screen were there. And one little kid, oh, I felt so bad. Because when Superman flies down into the Senate, just in this quiet theater, because... Again, there's one moment of audience reaction I had. The whole theater dead silent the whole time. Superman lands to go testify, and this little kid goes, Superman! Right before, like, everybody blows up and dies. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is
2: so inappropriate for that child. Yeah, Christopher Reeve addressed the United Nations, and it was peaceful. Here, it's very different.
3: It is indeed. I think uh, we need to get into this plot and get into this movie. Arnie, you got it? No. No. I'm going to do something never before done. A choose
1: your own adventure type plot summary <laughs> where I'm going to ask for both of your participation at certain points because I don't know.
3: Yeah, there's two <laughs> details I don't get. All right. Yeah, well, I'm ready. Let's make a movie. Okay. I am gonna...
1: <laughs> I wish Snyder had had us in the story room so we could have done it then, but let's do it now.
2: Oh, I know I could have fixed this script. <laughs>
1: Okay, it's 18 months after the Kryptonian battle that destroyed much of Metropolis. In that time, the Senate has debated if Superman should be allowed to continue his acts unilaterally while the people are sharply divided. But Superman, played by Henry Cavill, has continued to live his life as Clark Kent, living with girlfriend Lois Lane, I think, and saving her whenever she gets into trouble. But Superman doesn't know that across the harbor in Gotham City, a deep hatred is smoldering in the heart of billionaire businessman Bruce Wayne, played by Ben Affleck, returning
3: to the tights. Not these tights. Less burgundy tights.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He he swore he'd never play it again. He's now played Daredevil, Superman, and Batman. (laughs) But as shown in the opening of the film, when Superman and Zod fought in Metropolis, it brought down the skyscraper of Wayne Financial, killing... Well, was it just one employee named Jack who died, or were more people in that building? I'm not sure. I'm sure there were more,
2: but they don't want to tell us that, because that's a big point of
1: criticism. And it causes another employee named Wally to lose his legs. And Wayne is formidable, as for 20 years now, he's been a vigilante in Gotham City, known as the Gotham Bat. And since the Battle of Metropolis, Wayne has grown cruel. He's branding his targets, an act which causes them to be murdered by other inmates in prison. And this is all because he feels Superman needs to be stopped. Because with his power, Superman could be a danger to the entire human race. It gives Bruce nightmares of Superman ruling with totalitarian authority. Or does Bruce want revenge for the tower collapsing? A bit of both? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The Bat is trying to track down a mysterious figure called the White Portuguese, who is planning to bring a chunk of kryptonite into Metropolis. The alien rock was found in the Indian Ocean, where Zod's terraforming ship crashed. Batman somehow knows this rock can allow him to stop Superman.
3: Do we know how he? Bruce knows this? I thought he hacked Lex, but he kind of knew it before he hacked Lex, so No. Okay, yeah, he was searching for the white Portuguese since,
1: like, the first frame, long before he downloaded Lex's hard drive, so okay. The white Portuguese is not actually a person, but a boat owned by Metropolis businessman Lex Luthor, played by Jesse Eisenberg. Like Wayne, Lex also believes Superman should be stopped, and not just Superman, but all the other metahumans in the world. You know, like Cyborg, Wonder Woman, The Flash, and Aquaman, who are all going to cameo in this film? Lex tries to work with the Senate Committee on Superhuman Activities, and they give him unlimited access to Zod's spaceship, which is still sitting in the middle of Metropolis almost two years later. And they also give him Zod's corpse. But the chair of the Senate Committee, Senator Finch, played by Holly Hunter, blocks Luther's request to bring in the Kryptonite. So he takes Wally, that Wayne employee who lost his legs in the Metropolis battle, and funds his public debate against Superman. And when Wally is going to testify before the Senate, Luther uses the man's wheelchair to smuggle in explosives and blow the whole place up. It's also unclear how Lex knows, but he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman and Superman is Clark Kent. But he's doing all this while sending Bruce letters saying things like, You let your family die! That's my best Jay-Z Eisenberg, and it's not going to get any better.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It might be better than the Jesse Eisenberg Eisenberg. (laughs) And it
1: fuels Wayne's anger against Superman. And Lex lets the Bat steal the kryptonite, I think? No. No? So the Bat just steals the kryptonite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was his plan all along. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, Lex wants Bruce to have the
2: kryptonite. No, he wants the kryptonite. He doesn't want Bruce to have it. But he wants Bruce to kill Superman. We're getting there. All right. No, he he go, he go makes Bruce kill him because he stole it. Hmm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: He's crazy, okay? He's crazy! It's a choose-your-own-adventure plot summary. Jacob turned to page 72. Stuart and I turned to page 41. Got it. (laughs) But when the Bat is finally armed with the Kryptonite and ready to fight Superman, Luther forces Superman in the match... First, by pushing Lois Lane off a skyscraper.
3: (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) He needs an app for that. That bitch is getting into so much hot water that he might as well just hang out and be her personal (laughs) bodyguard.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's his role here.
3: It truly is. He ought to just be her bodyguard. He is, okay? And I think that's always
1: been Superman's role. But let's try to get through the story. (laughs) After rescuing Lois, if Superman doesn't bring Lex Batman's head within one hour, (laughs) Superman's mother, Martha, (laughs) will die.
3: I love the plot
1: summaries where you can't hold it in, Stuart. I just gotta say.
3: (laughs) All right. Please continue.
1: So Superman goes to ask Batman for help, but Batman just attacks and Superman fights back. And the kryptonite weakens him so much it's an even match. Batman eventually gets Superman down and is ready to kill him with a kryptonite spear. But as his last request, Superman asks Batman to help Martha, meaning Superman's mom, but that also happens to be the name of Bruce's mom, who died during a mugging while Bruce was a boy. This somehow convinces Batman to let Superman live because they both have
2: moms? Hey, Martha. We'll talk about it. I, I think that's, I don't think that's that hard of a plot point to figure out why he does that. Um, we'll talk about it. And so
1: Batman sends Superman to go after Lex while he himself goes to save Martha Kent in the movie's best damn action scene. Previewing that. But Lex isn't ready to give up. Using Zod's corpse and Lex's own blood, and the Kryptonian cloning machine on Zod's crashed ship, he births a mutant deformity. A giant lizard-looking beast that we're going to call Doomsday, even though it's just a dropped line here doomsday starts to rampage through an abandoned downtown metropolis
2: where there's no one everyone's gone home
1: yeah it's nighttime <laughs> they roll up the sidewalks in a metropolis at sundown
2: you set off a bombs in this port and it won't <laughs> hurt anyone
1: and this causes diana prince who's kind of been in and out of certain scenes played by gal gadot to come out of retirement and join the fight as wonder woman And Wayne realizes that the kryptonite spear is the only way to kill the beast, so he lures it back to Gotham's harbor. But Lois had thrown the spear into the harbor, and Superman has to fly into the water, get the spear, and even though it weakens him, he flies it in to spear the beast. But Doomsday stabs Superman back, and the two die together while Batman and Wonder Woman watch. So we end with everybody mourning and Superman has two funerals. One national is Superman and one private as Clark Kent. And at the private funeral, Martha decides this is the perfect time to give Lois the engagement ring Clark had bought her. And Wayne and Prince talk about assembling all the remaining metahumans for an upcoming yet undefined fight. And Lois throws the first handful of dirt on Clark's grave, which starts to rise up
3: as we cut to black and credits roll. And you didn't even cover the two things I don't understand in this movie. Yeah, wow. What a plot. (laughs) Yeah, those aren't even plot points.
1: I gave the plot of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I did not give the plot of Justice League Part 1, which is... (laughs) clumsily inserted here dawn of justice does this mean anything other than hey folks we're leading up to the justice league is there any dawning here is there any justice here
3: there is a lot of debate about fairness and it is kind of a courtroom thriller for half of it
2: <laughs> i i do feel like they want us to think that like oh look at these two sides and how they go about solving crime or dealing with threats and which one is right uh, Look, this isn't Christopher Nolan who is able to tackle heavy subjects like this in terms of allegorical tales and superhero movies. Uh, so I'm just going to take it at the most base level. This is a prequel to Justice League.
3: Yeah, it's obviously meant as that. Again, I wonder why they couldn't have just done that because I won't ever really understand why Batman wants to kill Superman. Although I understand the reasoning, it seems cray-cray. And in (laughs) fact, the world seems really nuts. Like, I'm just going to put it out there, Team Superman, this entire movie, I do not understand why everyone is persecuting. And again, I'm not talking about how I might have enjoyed the characterizations. I'm just saying from a stance at the beginning of this movie, we have Superman as a paragon of rational hope. And everybody else. So maybe in this way it does feel like the real world in that even a superhero that wants to save us from ourselves would be a source of controversy. That absolutely nothing can go without protest and fury and outrage.
2: Yeah, but you're saying a source of controversy. I mean, we see here at the beginning, we get it from Bruce Wayne's perspective. He's seeing giant heat vision tearing through his building, bringing it down while people are still in. I don't think it's that rational to want to question Superman and his tactics at this point. I've been questioning him since the last film.
1: I agree that in this day and age, we're just a more sophisticated group and post 9-11 any source of unchecked power is questionable. This is the logical extension of how the last film ended. I think when Superman brought down that drone and gave that general a talking to at the end of Man of Steel, we're supposed to be like, yeah, Superman, stop that government surveillance.
2: No, he's such a dick. He wasted $12 million in taxpayer money, <laughs> and this is a stupid Superman. He could have, I don't know, rewired that thing to get free Wi-Fi to inner city kids. like. He's supposed to be super smart, but he's just going to smash a $12 million tax-paid drone. Listen,
1: he's Superman. I don't know that he's a member of the Geek Squad able to rewire your home Wi-Fi, though.
2: If we're listening to his dad, Russell Crowe, in that last film, he's supposed to have all this knowledge. Like, there's a lot of words given about what Superman's supposed to be. We never see him do it in that film, and I don't know if we see him do it in this film either.
3: Okay, supervillains are attacking the city, and if Superman can't cleanly and while saving every Every single individual, tackle these creatures, he should just get the hell out and let them kill us all.
2: No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But we've seen similar things in the other Superman movies where they have solutions. I feel like producers, whoever, I don't want to blame just Snyder or Goyer, whoever, thought it'd be a great idea if we got to see this mass destruction. Superman seeks to avoid that thing. That's all I'm going to say. I said it all last film. I just think Superman that we've seen in other films is much smarter and has realized he's got to stop casualties.
1: The word I came up with while watching Batman v Superman and it then hit me that it retroactively applies to Man of Steel is contrivance. Yes, Snyder, Goyer, whoever contrived a reason why superman couldn't do anything other than what he did that's the way they wrote it because that's the story they want to show not because there's any logic to it there's a lot of contrivances here in this movie that frustrate me they happen mostly in the latter half but it's the exact same type of storytelling where we want this to happen so we're not going to allow any other possible logical solution to occur
2: Yeah, let's talk about, so we see this kind of recap at the end of the last film from Bruce Wayne's point of view.
1: And I actually really like this. I like that Snyder has taken to heart some of the criticism, and now we're seeing this as a bad thing, whereas last time he was trying to sell us as, isn't this fun? But we open with a montage story of the origin of Batman, young Bruce Wayne. It's 1981. They're seeing Zorro. There was a Zorro movie that came out around that time.
3: No, 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 no. That was Mark of Zorro. The movie that came out at the time was Zorro the Gay Blade. (laughs) No, but I think that that is just there as, you know, sometimes you go to a movie theater and they have old movie posters. I think that that was not what was playing. What was playing was Excalibur, which is a Arthurian legend movie from 1981. So it tells you the year it's with the early 80s. It also is a reference to the big old sword that will be pulled out at the end of the movie.
2: Yeah, I was trying to figure out the significance of showing that Excalibur is, like, coming the next week to that theater, because it it's so big. Like, I'm like, is there going to be a sword rising out of the water? I guess we do get a sword later on. You get a sword. But having seen all the
1: Nolan films, having seen all the other films that came before, Burton and Schumacher, I'm like, this is a great shorthand recap. We're going to just use the same Batman origin. Parents got mugged. Parents got shot. Batman fall into a well. But... If you'd not seen those other films, if you came in and you'd heard of Batman, you knew just the pop culture stuff. Is, is this comprehensible? I wonder. I we think lost.
3: it is, but I, I, think, yeah, it is very shorthand. It is, it's kind of like looking it up on, on Wikipedia. You know, it is like, uh, we're just giving it real fast. And it has no character or flavor. It actually got one of the few laughs that this movie has when the bats actually lift the little boy up and he's like floating with his arms out. People were giggling.
1: Not in my audience. They seem to take this seriously.
2: Batman's going to say it, it was a lie. Like, it is weird that you see him, like, flying up because of these bats. But I feel like a lot of this, and again, this is a carryover from Man of Steel. And I know Nolan's executive producer. I feel like they try to put in these heavy-handed statements that I feel like Nolan could pull off. Like, here, they, they just feel more clumsy.
1: I got to say, though, I loved the way this opening scene looked. I mean, last week we reviewed Watchmen. And I liked its visual style. This scene with the pearls and the gun and the street, it reminded me of Watchmen a bit because he's going 80s period again. It's, you know, a few years before Watchmen would have happened. But I'm looking at this, and when I later found out it was shot in the IMAX cameras, a lot of it crystallized as to why. But this is the best-looking sequence in the film. I was just absorbed by the artistry of the scene composition.
3: It's a good looking movie. And uh, yeah, this particularly a montage in which things are falling in the past compared with this, you know, running from the mausoleum. There's a lot of, you know, symmetry that goes on here. I, I was with it until he started flying with the bats and <laughs> I was really not with it. And then
1: we get to see Bruce in a Jeep ad, I think, racing through the streets The 9-11 vibe, this is the first instance of the horse. There's like two times where massive destruction happens and a horse runs by.
2: (laughs) I noticed it, yeah, when he's in Metropolis trying to save his people. Like, it's a weird moment. I'm not sure what it's supposed to signify. I don't know. Does does the horse signify something in, like, ancient Greek mythology? Yeah, it's weird.
3: No, I mean, I just take it to mean it would be the last thing you'd expect to see. It heightens the sense of surreality to what just happened.
2: See, I just took it as a police horse and the cop was dead or something. It is, but
3: yeah, this is a character that is running into a building as it's falling down. And yeah, he's expecting to see people and it would be surreal to suddenly, the like, first thing you see is a horse. It's, I mean, I think it sets the right mood, but yes, why draw from nine eleven so directly? Because this is not a fun movie. <laughs> because <laughs> this, is what to, this is what it told me early on, that they're going to real world events for the grimness of it. And I know that they're going to put out an R-rated cut later, And yeah, there are things in here. I winced, honestly. I was just like, this doesn't belong here. It's a fun killer to put this in here. And I just felt like doing this, okay. I mean, we are 15 years removed from 9-11. Some of this audience was not born when that happened. Maybe they don't have a gut visceral reaction to it. But by putting it here, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but by putting it here instantly, any idea I have about a campy Batman versus Superman is gone. They're going for serious. They're going for art. They're going for Nolan. Snyder thinks he can do what Nolan did.
2: Yeah, but they had that in the last one, too. I mean, I was watching that with my wife, who, when I rewatched it, she had never seen it. And she's like, oh, this is like about 9-11, is it? Like, you see people running and the dust coming over them. Here, we're, we're seeing it, I think, on a... Well, we see it with Perry White and his group and Man of Steel. But yeah, we do see it on the street level where people... One of Bruce's employees, a security guard, I mean, he's trapped under a steel beam. He's going to lose his legs. They, they are trying to show some of the horrors of that event. I'll say
1: there are certain details in this scene I liked. I like that the security guard Wally knew Bruce. I like that Bruce had to actually check the name tag. We've seen previous incarnations. I think the Val Kilmer Bruce Wayne knew every employee at every level. And here we see him checking his name, trying to talk to him consolingly, that he brings other people over. I mean, Batman is being a clear hero in a time where people are considering Superman to be acting like a villain.
3: Yes, he seems to be doing the things that you want Superman to be doing, like that little girl saved from falling girders or whatever. Like this, I don't want to call it small stuff. Obviously, every life saved is a valuable one, but it is a person to person level rescue as opposed to I've got to stop the big world builder machine. This is also where I noticed something strange about the scenario here. You know, I'm big on setting up the world and city landscapes and such. The intertitle told me it was Metropolis, but we're seeing Bruce Wayne. I'm like, why is Bruce Wayne in Metropolis? Why is Wayne Enterprise in Metropolis? He flew there. We will find out Gotham is to Metropolis what Newark is to New York City in Manhattan.
2: Yeah, it's across the bay, which, look, I did some research because these are fictional places. I I guess they could be like St. Paul and the Minneapolis. They could be Twin Cities, I guess. And there are some versions where they are very close. I always think of them being, I think we said this before, like Chicago for Gotham and New York for Metropolis. But here they are a little bit. Closer together. I don't have a problem with Wayne having a building. I mean, this guy's a billionaire, has financial institutions, I'm assuming, everywhere. So I, I don't have a problem with him having a building in metropolis that I, I could buy that it's later on we find out how close these places are that seems weird
1: it reminds me of in Freddy versus jason how those two had to fight in the real world jason's arena and in the dream world where freddie rules here they're going to have to fight in gotham and in metropolis they have to go to each other's homes so by making it that close it probably was very convenient versus having to traverse multiple states
3: Yeah, it is out of convenience, but it makes you wonder why Batman doesn't help out more in Metropolis. They're essentially the same city the way that I would see it, and that seems wrong.
2: One of the things I thought going into this was because I heard a lot about, oh, they're really using the Dark Knight Returns as some source material for this film. And there's a couple of things they, they do from that graphic novel, but I thought one of the big ones was that Bruce Wayne was going to be retired as Batman. When we jump ahead 18 months, I thought, okay, it's taken him a year and a half to like trying to get back into shape because he's decided to take on Superman. I don't think that's the case though. He's always been Batman. He hasn't retired, has he? No, He. they
1: say he's been fighting this crime for 20 years at this point. And I like that. I like that we have an older Batman. I think affleck compared to his daredevil performance where he was still in his 20s i think here he's in his mid 40s he's showing it he he got into shape those shoulders are big those muscles are big i'm not he's not just in shape he bulked i mean that's amazing i think he skipped leg day though but (laughs) i love this batman being older hardened cynical it felt like the same Batman from the Dark Knight Returns, even if he hadn't retired and that he's this hard Batman, he's branding people. I was like, damn,
2: yo. Yeah. Alfred says, Oh, new tactics. Like, yeah, this Batman is crazy. And maybe that does come from the Dark Knight version, like where Bruce comes out of retirement and he, he goes a lot harder once he comes out of retirement here. I I do like this Ben Affleck Batman. I'm just going to say that. I, I don't know if I, really see a whole lot of him as Batman. Like he's in that suit. I never really get a sense of him how he would do Batman like in a Batman movie. But I like him as Bruce Wayne and I like him as this character who has become unhinged. Like he's gonna be shooting a lot of guns and usually that would really bug the hell out of me, even if if they're gas grenades or whatever. But like I could tell this is a Batman that's been pushed to the limit. This is a Batman that's got to deal with alien beings that could bring down your city.
3: It's worth pointing out that they did approach Christian Bale for this. That the original plan was, I heard the offer was $50 million, probably for a multi-picture deal, but still $50 million to put on the cowl again. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. They're obviously doing something different. His Batman wouldn't fit into this kind of thing, but it actually would fit. Christian Bale could have come back from France and Catwoman or wherever the hell he was at the end of the last movie, that this could be a direct sequel, not only to Man of Steel, but Dark Knight Rises. But Bale, just to
1: counter that, though, I Bale said he was actually open to returning to Batman, even without Nolan, and they never asked. So, you know, Hollywood rumor being what it is.
3: Oh, OK. So maybe that didn't happen.
1: Even though Bale denies it, it sounds right. Because first of all, like you just said, Jacob, Batman retired. We left The Dark Knight Rises with him retired. He's coming back. And why the hell is Wayne Manor burned down in this film? <laughs>
2: No, Wayne Manor is, like, destroyed. It's got Joker graffiti all over it. I think I saw some question marks for Riddler. I I wonder if we'll get that flashback in Suicide Squad. I know I've seen production shots of Batman chasing the Joker around for that film. So we'll, we'll have to wait till this summer to see if we'll find out what happens to Wayne Manor. But I did read Bale was kind of jealous over the direction that Ben Affleck was going to take Batman in this film like Bale wanted a crazier Batman and then like Heath Ledger came along he's like oh well obviously I can't be the crazy one because Heath Ledger's so good at it but he wanted to be more unhinged and and I think we'd get to see Affleck do that here this again to me this is a fan fiction universe but I'm kind of digging like the directions like Elseworlds where they do those what if stories sometimes I like those and I like this what if story with Batman
3: but we we realize that means we can't be team Batman that I approach this movie thinking you could pick a side, but if you're saying that Batman is just so blinded by rage and anger that he's crazy and doing unjustifiable things, then there's only one choice.
2: Well, I don't know what you're considering unjustifiable branding a sex slaver. I don't have a problem with that. I'm a big Punisher fan, and I feel like this Batman has a lot in common with the Punisher from Marvel.
1: And that is a problem for me. Batman shouldn't be the Punisher. However, I still find that there's two sides here. Superman is a power that should not go unchecked, and... I can get behind Bruce Moore when he's talking to Alfred later, and he's like, if there's a 1% chance that Superman could turn bad, and we've been fighting crime in Gotham, and we've seen what happens to heroes after 20 years, if there's a 1% chance that this man who could end all of humanity could turn bad, we have to take it as an absolute certainty that he's gone a little bit over the edge branding the criminals. It's harder to be Team Batman, but it's much harder to be Team Superman because that guy seems to have no emotion anywhere. We get to see him, like, in love with Lois Lane. I don't buy it. This Superman feels almost Vulcan to me. Like, he's looking at all humanity like we're just little bugs.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's get to the scene in Africa, which... It's a short, weird little scene that I didn't get much from, but it's a major, like, turning point for the plot. Like, Lois is in Africa to interview some warlord ends up being her photographer who uses film still. It's Jimmy Olsen. I looked this shit up because I'm like, is that Jimmy Olsen? He's got a
1: camera. Jimmy Olsen's a CIA agent. See, this is Jimmy Olsen who's been co-opted by the CIA. You look at the credits. This man is Jimmy Olsen. This movie starts by
2: shooting Jimmy Olsen in the face. Like they that's the name they gave this character? Yes, yes. Wow.
1: Wow. And the funniest thing is, like, the last movie, Jimmy Olsen was supposed to be that Jenny. She was supposed to be Jenny Olsen. They never say it, so they could always retcon it. But you look at those credits, that man is Jimmy Olsen. Shot in the face.
3: And can I also just say another take you out of the fun moment. Like, we've had a lot of, like, public execution stuff that's gotten out there. Like, the idea that they just assassinate him in this way, it left a real sickening feeling in my stomach.
2: Well, I don't even know what's going on at this point. I, I'm still blown away that he's using film, like Last <laughs> Man of Steel. Lois has got that real nice digital Nikon camera. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, take that film out because there's really an SD card hidden somewhere in that thing. But no, Lois is taken indoors by this warlord bodyguards or something. They turn and shoot the other people in Africa. It's
3: Anatoly. We'll find out that it's a henchman that works for Luther.
2: Yes, and Lois is even asking the warlord
1: who's paying for these security contractors, and later we're going to find out Lex is paying all of the security contractors, he's infiltrated this, he's doing this to frame Superman for all the shootings that the security contractors are going to do, because when you have heat, vision, and super strength, what you use is a gun?
3: Okay, this is a big one for me. Are they saying that Superman is shooting people? Because later there'll be an African woman who is not even there claiming that he came into the village and showed no mercy. No, no, no. I got this on the second
1: viewing, that African woman is saying what Superman did was unilaterally take out this warlord, which created a power vacuum. The government came in and showed no mercy to the people and slaughtered the villagers.
2: Which, again, this is an ineffectual Superman. He's only going to show up to save his woman. Like, he could have came and stopped those bullets. He moves, you know, very, very fast. But he shows up only to save Lois Lane. And then he, oh, he's such a dick. He does that little smirk right before he crushes some warlord through a bunch of walls.
1: And I understand that you could probably say because he was so fast, Superman punched the wall and then carried the warlord through. But come on, he smashed that warlord
2: like a fly. No, he got that smile like, ah, I get some blood bloodlust going on now (laughs)
3: and your team soups you're okay with batman branding people that is certain death once they're put in prison but if superman does something that might kill a bad guy he is horrible dick
2: look we were told by his father that he is going to lead humanity to to rise to the sun and to be our best selves he is not our best selves that that is the problem Bruce Wayne, he's the Dark Knight. He is the devil, he's called at one point. This is supposed to be God. Yeah, this is supposed to show us a better way, and we're not getting a better way from him.
3: Okay, so you hate Superman for not being the Jesus that he is marketed to be, but because Batman has says a line at some point saying, I've always been a criminal, that gives him a hall pass.
2: Well, yeah, they have different philosophies. I'm holding them accountable to the philosophies they say they're living.
1: Superman, he has all this power. He has this public image. But he does seem to act only to save Lois. I mean, we later we'll see a montage where he does really heroic things. He saves people from a flood. He stops astronauts from dying. But... At least I know what Batman is fighting for. I don't know what Superman is fighting for. And this whole thing is framed to make us dislike him for how the whole thing went down. I mean, I love the way they showed the heat vision tearing through the buildings. It helps justify. Snyder's, I think, sensitive. It helps justify, again, why he snapped Zod's neck. But I just find it very hard to get behind Superman because I don't know what he's fighting for. I don't know what he wants. I don't know why he's doing the things he's doing. So I'm team Batman because I have somebody to relate to, even if I don't agree with his actions. I-
2: it, it, it's like going for Rorschach in Watchmen. Like he's an awful person, but like he's got a moral code that he sticks by. You know what he's going to do.
3: And I was thinking about Watchmen more than once in these setups, partly because, yes, it is hard to identify with these characters. It is hard to root for really anyone in this movie. I can kind of understand where they're coming from, but never feel invested. And, boy, I was saying that a lot last week on Watchmen. It is just as true here with Batman versus Superman. Ultimately, I don't have any dog in this fight. I think I'm Team Wonder Woman, maybe, but we'll get (laughs) there.
2: Yeah, we'll get there.
3: (laughs) And...
1: I'm a little frustrated. This movie, as I understand it, was done filming like a year ago and they spent a lot of time in editing. I gotta feel there's like, another whole movie on a cutting room floor.
2: Oh yeah, I feel there's a lot of edits. There's a lot of missing scenes. They wanted to tell more. I mean, they confirmed that they had scenes with the Joker and Riddler to shoot. Like, it feels like they had a lot of backstory or they expanded a lot of scenes. That's that's all cut. I guess we'll have to wait for that R-rated director's Blu-ray to come out.
1: Yeah, is it gonna be four hours like Watchmen? <laughs> I think they've
2: said over three hours.
1: After this African scene, they have like Lois in a bathtub saying, I don't I don't know if you can be you and still love me. It implies like we're going to get this good relationship story. And I want that. I want a human story. It doesn't pay off. I want to say right now, though, I'm enjoying this. I'm having fun. It's in retrospect that I realize this is all set up that doesn't really go too many places.
3: Fun? Fun's not the right word. You might be engaged with this. This movie is not fun. It's not fun. I was having an intellectual kind of
1: fun because it was hopping all over. We had Bruce Wayne talking about a dirty bomb. We had the backstory of Batman. We had warlords in Africa. We had senates talking about how bad Superman was. We had the destruction of Metropolis. I was having fun piecing this movie together. I was like, wow, this is really good. I want to see where it goes.
3: But fun implies playful, and it should. We need to stress to people that haven't seen this there's nothing about this movie that's playful. Agreed.
2: Look, I I came out when I saw the first trailer for this. I'm like, damn, why is it so gloomy? Can't reduce something where it's more fun. But we don't need Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans being stark at each other for a couple of hours every superhero film. Like the Nolan Batman trilogy, that is not a fun trilogy but it's good like I don't think fun maybe you thought because oh I'm going to see two big superheroes fighting each other out this should be campy fun and yes I I see Snyder's name I don't think fun
3: right I I guess that is true and I have learned that here DC is making a concerted effort in many ways to differentiate itself from Marvel and the Avengers here and so you're right this may be the same year that Iron Man beats Cap but I can't believe it's going to play out anyway in the same
2: way that it does here DC tried to go fun, and that was called Green Lantern. Oof, yeah, good
3: point. Yeah, and they shouldn't do that. They should work. go with what's working for them, and I do feel like that Dark Knight trilogy and, to a lesser extent, Man of Steel worked for them. So it's not the wrong choice, but uh, you guys weren't surprised? I, I guess it sounds like you just think Snyder does this thing, and so this is what you expected. This is what the trailer set up.
1: It's not like they're trying to differentiate themselves from Marvel. They're like, Nolan did this and it made us billions. Let's keep doing this. I don't think that they're looking at Marvel and saying, let's counter program.
3: Oh, come on. They definitely are. They definitely are thinking about Marvel. This is a rivalry here that's worse than Gotham versus Metropolis.
2: They're trying to win. DC cannot win at this point. This movie's not going to make a billion dollars. I don't know if a Justice League film will make a billion dollars. I think they are in desperation mode and necessity is the mother invention. And that's why I kind of like these DC films because I really don't know what like they it feels like they are so desperate to try to at least come up with something that's not going to totally fail in the box office that they're going to go crazy.
1: Well, if you're talking darkness how about a light-hearted villain? Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I thought this was genius casting because, I mean, I love Jesse Eisenberg in The Social Network. We've seen him play a possibly a moral. I, I hate to blight a real-world person, but seemingly questionable morality as Zuckerberg in that film. I thought having him play Lex Luthor, corporate businessman, was really great casting. I was happy to see him here before I saw him here.
2: Yep. (laughs) Yeah, this does feel like LexCorp, the social media company, going with Zuckerberg. They're playing like basketball.
1: I believe that men can fly. I believe that Batman can climb walls more than I can believe
2: Eisenberg makes a basket. (laughs) Or that wig. (laughs) <laughs> but this is a Luther, which we haven't seen before. It's always been like Gene Hackman or Kevin Spacey, like where they're doing weird real estate plots. But Lex Luther in the comics. Yeah. Lex Corp. He's a businessman. At one time, he was even president of the United States. It's like I'm glad we're seeing a different kind of Lex Luther here. Uh, as far as Jesse Eisenberg, he plays it crazy. So at times it works, at times it doesn't. It's over the top. Which which every Luther has been over the top.
3: And uh yeah, and it does feel lighter. It does feel like it could have worked in the Donnerverse. And so in that respect it's kind of interesting. But yeah, I as much as I think that he's perfect casting to be a Silicon Valley tyrant, ultimately I find where he goes, particularly in the second half of the movie just to be annoying. That his craziness means that he acts irrationally and uh, does things that I don't don't even know how he would know how to do. Doesn't work for me.
2: Well, and I think part of the problem is something has happened to him that we don't see in this film. Like, they allude, at at the end of this film, he says, he's coming, he's coming. We're going to talk about Darkseid at one point in this movie. Like, he's obviously had some kind of vision of what's happening, but we're never shown that in this movie.
1: Yeah, his motivation here is beyond me i'm just kind of thinking that like bruce lex thinks superman needs to be stopped maybe i'm thinking that because lex Luthor is superman's arch nemesis and i'm just always thinking that but his actions here seem more anti-superman than less anti-batman am i correct in thinking he knows both of their secret identities and that whole scene that's in the trailer clark kent and bruce wayne together at last you do not want to pick a fight with this man he knows, right?
2: He does know Superman's identity as Clark Kent because he kidnaps Martha Kent later on in the film. I don't know if we're ever told why he knows his identity. I Does he know Bruce Wayne? I, I don't know. I mean, you could probably make that case. I don't know if they ever come out and say it.
3: Yeah, it's just underdeveloped. We never really know what he knows except that they hack his files and he ends up having case files on all the super beings. So, yeah, I believe he actually does. And I believe he knows it in this first scene.
1: Does Batman have, like, FOMO? Because there's no file on Batman. (laughs) There's Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg.
2: Does Batman, like, I don't qualify? Yeah, he's not a metahuman. He doesn't have powers. So (laughs) Lex doesn't care about him.
3: But I think he knows. I mean, I could be wrong. But uh, I take it to mean that, yes, he engineers this party just so that these two can first stare down each other. Because we need a party scene. Party scene's always so helpful in a superhero movie at bringing characters together and having everyone explain what it is that they want.
2: Yeah, and it's not just Batman and Superman come together here. This is where Wonder Woman's introduced.
1: I didn't recognize her the first time. I know Gal Gadot from those Fast and Furious films. Here, she's so elegantly dressed. I thought she was another one of Luther's aides, because Luther has this really attractive person who's hanging on him the whole time. And the way Diana Prince or Wonder Woman is eyeing Clark Kent, I think one of Luther's people knows he's up to no good. I just didn't recognize the actress,
2: Yeah, well, Lex does have this henchwoman who follows Bruce around. So, uh, yeah, I can see how you might make that mistake.
3: Yeah, every woman in this movie is slinky and attractive and gives the same facial expressions of sideways eyes and what have you. But, yeah, they're both eyeing Wayne because Wayne slips away to go down and hack the mainframe in the basement. And I think everyone knows what he's doing, but it is Wonder Woman that gets away with the hacking device.
2: Yeah, I do like you see Superman. He's able to hear that earpiece as Alfred's talking to Bruce Wayne. And that's how he picks up on it. He he actually uses his powers to do something smart here. I did like that. I liked that Bruce thought he was being so sly with that
1: Alfred earpiece. And Clark's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs>
3: And he must know, too, at this point, right? Like, it, when when he is going to face down Batman later, he doesn't unmask him because he knows who's under the mask.
1: I don't know if he knows then or not. I mean, Superman doesn't ever use his X-ray vision in this film, but we know he has it from the last one. He could just look under the mask and be like, oh, I met you at that library gala.
3: Right. Uh, I think he knows. It's never... Cleanly established when anybody knows. But this is a world where there is no secret identities between the principal characters. Everybody knows everybody. So Lex just had this dinner to bring those two together? I think so. Yeah. I mean, ostensibly, he's being celebrated for helping out a library. And I think he might also be celebrated because he gave a bunch of money to people that are going to let him have access to all the alien stuff.
2: Right? Yeah, there's been all this stuff with Senator Finch, played by Holly Hunter. There's another senator, and Lex is meeting with him.
1: Is that another senator? Who the
2: hell is this guy? He's some politician, because he's getting him access to the Kryptonian ship. He's getting him access to Zod's body. I couldn't tell if that was Finch's aide, if it was another senator, who the hell this guy was was no. I mean he's getting him access, so I don't. It's he's not Finch's aide.
1: I took it as Finch decided to help him and then changed her mind later and blocked the kryptonite. But it's very unclear. There's two characters who are important that really aren't cleanly identified, and whoever gives Lex access to Zod is first one.
3: Yeah, I have no idea who that is or why it is. It feels like something they shot in a day to fix it when they realized that the audiences weren't understanding that Lex got all of the stuff that he was asking for from Finch, that she denies him. She has a big scene where she claims that, you know, he's just using this under the banner of creating fear and protection. He's just creating a weapon for himself and she won't be a part of it. She's not going to drink piss and call it tea.
2: Yeah, and he wants this big chunk of kryptonite that's been found because Superman can't bother lending a hand to clean up this giant ship that he smashed in the Indian Ocean. In Superman's defense, if he went to the giant
3: ship that had a whole bunch of kryptonite on it, he couldn't lift it anyway.
2: He didn't know that, I don't think. I don't even know how that kryptonite got there.
3: Yeah, my question next is, is the ship
1: powered by Kryptonite? It was terraforming the Earth. Did it turn some of the Earth into Kryptonite? Was it carrying Kryptonite? Like, let's take some chunks of our planet as a
3: souvenir. It is not explained. Okay, yeah, it is not clear, but there's a very small quantity, and everybody wants it, and much of the middle of the movie is about who has the Kryptonite rock. I want
1: to just say, though, there's so much to establish in this film. There's so much going on. I was perfectly okay with giving them the mulligan on, okay, kryptonite rock on that ship that crashed. I'll go with that, because do we really need to have an asteroid coincidentally hit Earth at this time, too? No.
3: No, yeah, it's acceptable in this respect that, yeah, it came from space in some way from Zod's ship, whether it was an amalgam created by the crash, something he was carrying, the fuel they used to pilot around— all of the above, I don't know. But yes, it is here from outside this world. And so they can't make more of it. Lex has to get what was found. Richard Pryor's dead. You can't do
2: the... <laughs> yeah, you <I> can't yeah. <laughs> synthesize it. And...
3: Right. So yeah, he just wants to get it. I feel like that should have come very, very early. It's really late by the time he's cutting off Zod's fingerprints, getting in the ship, doing his little master plot. I feel like that should have happened within the first half hour.
2: Yeah, somehow he finds a little shard earlier, and that's how they know it breaks down Kryptonian cells, and that's why he wants to get this big thing and get the import license, which Senator Finch is going to deny him for reasons. I thought she was anti-Superman, but then she— She's a Democrat, Jacob. That explains it all. (laughs) Well, I I was just going to say, this feels like clunky dialogue that a Nolan film would do better, but Goyer's doing it now. And, uh, you know, democracy is about people coming together and just talking. And so she's all of a sudden doesn't want to make a weapon that can kill Superman.
1: Yeah, I I was being serious when I said she's a Democrat. And that explains it is she's the head of this committee and she believes in vigilance, but she shies away from armed force. She shies away from the more Republican view. And I'm just going stereotypes here of, let's build a weapon so that we have it in case we need it. But, Senator Finch, I really need to know, what does all of this Senate stuff do? There's a lot of lip service paid to, is Superman good, is Superman bad? They're going to bring in Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, and they later on bring in Nancy Grace, which I should give this movie a not recommend for writing that bitch a paycheck, but... I mean, Anderson Cooper's
2: here. Yeah, yeah. They, they got all the the cable news people. Soledad O'Brien. Yeah, no, just no Bill O'Reilly.
3: They want it to seem like the real world. They even go to Washington at one point. We see the Washington Monument. So they have not created an—I mean, this is America. We see the American
2: flag. And we saw that in the Christopher Reeve Superman films. They go to Washington, D.C. Like, yeah, it is America, but then there's these fictional cities.
1: But what does this all do to pay off in BVS here? I mean, we're going to get all of this. She's trying to stymie Lex. My honest belief is whatever they cut from this film... They needed to restore some things that would add logic, and Holly Hunter should have been excised from this film entirely. I liked Holly Hunter in this film. I usually like Holly Hunter in things. I just wish her part actually had some relevance to the story.
3: Yeah, I I feel like there's directions going on in this movie. This is a story about Batman pulling himself up. From being a criminal and being heightened, and Holly Hunter is here to tear down Superman. You got a god being dragged to earth and someone on Earth being encouraged, inspired to become godlike. I think that's what they're going for with the imagery, but yeah, Holly Hunter is just a pill. I don't know what else. I don't like her here. <laughs> no. She's she's really uh unfun. I really don't enjoy seeing people nag Superman for not mopping up the mess that he saved people from dying. What does it accomplish, and what does blowing it up
1: accomplish?
2: Well, here, yeah, this is what's so confusing, is that Superman, they want to hold hearings because he shot people, killed people, did something in Africa, it's not
3: very clear. No, Jacob, he did what you accused him of. He was careless, and people died, and he hasn't acknowledged them. They represent you. You should be really behind Holly Hunter, because she feels exactly the same way that you do about the way that he conducts his, you know, heroics.
2: Yeah, except I don't understand how that scene in Africa, like... Okay, he pushed a guy through a wall. That is, But then why show all the shootings? And you get this whole subplot about Lois Lane trying to find out who made this bullet, because it's not on record anywhere. I never understand that stuff. I never
3: understand why there is a prototype bullet that must be investigated, and that by investigating it, it will somehow redeem Superman in the public's eye.
2: No, it's it's to tie it to LexCorp.
1: Yeah, Lex is working in the background. We are not supposed to know Lex is a bad guy, even though He's Lex Luthor. We're supposed to think he's this nice guy, even though he's bringing in the kryptonite. And so the fact that he's going through all this trouble to frame Superman and paint Superman in a bad light, and he's funding Wally, that guy who lost his legs and became anti-Superman because of it. He's funding his speaking to the Senate. Again, what does it accomplish in this movie? I understand why things are happening. I understand it reveals Lex to be even more evil because they find the truth of this bullet through this Deep Throat guy who is the second person. They just call him Mr. Secretary. Was it the guy from the end of the last movie that was mad about the $12 billion drone?
2: I think so.
3: Okay. Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah. Swanwick. So I just want to know how this all pays off once the Senate blows up.
2: I don't even understand, yeah, why the Senate blow? Okay, I understand why it blows up. There's a bomb in the wheelchair that Lex planted there. But here's the thing. Superman finally shows up. We've seen him saving people, I guess. He saves one kid in a fire in South America. and He saved the rocket. He saved the... Th- was there anyone in that rocket? Like, I didn't even know if there was... People in there, he's dragging a big boat across the ice again. But yeah, this Senate blows up. He had shown up. I thought, oh, OK, he's been framed. He got mad for being questioned, shot off his heat vision, blew it up. I thought that was going to be the frame up.
1: I thought the same thing. And I I thought it was bullshit because there's cameras there. I mean, you'd be able to see from the satellite feed.
2: Well, yeah. And then in the next scene, they're like, oh, there was a bomb in the wheelchair. And now it's, oh, Superman failed to save him, which, yeah, he should have. Come on. Superman, you got to use your brain. But I'm like, that's supposed to turn us against Superman. Like it does. People start burning him in effigy. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know why. Like, I i don't like the Superman. I'm not ready to burn him in effigy for that.
3: I think that the, what they're getting at. I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't live in this time in America. But it's the immigrant situation, right? That people are just mad that there is an alien amongst them, that we've allowed him to be here and that he's brought his alien problems here. If you let those people in here, they just lead to destruction and bombing and all of that. You kick them out, and you don't have any of that on your shore.
1: Not to get too political, but I really did have this insight that like Batman is representing the Trump viewpoint and perhaps Batman is like, we've talked many times on the show about Dennis Miller and how he really Changed at nine eleven, and even he admits he changed at nine eleven and became this hard edged Republican cynic Fox News commentator. I'm like, is is that what we're supposed to see? Is that yes? Again, going Republican Democrat. Batman's a Republican. Superman's a dem.
3: I don't like labeling the, that because then instantly our, our Facebook is going to look different. That I'm talking about the issues, but yes, <laughs> they are exactly so. that the, Alfred sees it. Alfred has some dialogue about you're turning hard or something like that. That Yes.
2: Yeah, you change your tactics by branding people.
3: Batman is misguided. We are not to be Team Batman. He is in the wrong. He is improperly responding to the crisis and the situation. That is what we are supposed to do to think.
2: I wonder if you would have got more backstory, because again, we see the Wayne Manor destroyed, we're going to see Robin suit in a case. Ha ha ha, joke's on you, Batman. Uh, suggesting that the Joker has killed Robin. Like I feel like there's all this bad stuff that's happened to Batman, but because... Warner Brothers is doing this whole universe very oddly? Like, we're seeing this before we get the actual Batman film? Like, I do wonder if you'd have more sympathy for Batman if we've actually seen what he's been through.
3: No, no. I absolutely wouldn't because I've seen nine Batman movies. I know what he's been through. I don't need another backstory to tell me that he's had you know, his own struggles. That that's not the point. The point is is that he's attacking a man for doing what he does. And it's because that this man has been celebrated as a god and he's called a criminal. But that's his own marketing. I mean, that's his fault. I never see if Superman is saying, I wanna help you, I'm a good guy, and everyone is burning you an effigy, I'd be like, bye Felicia, I'm out of here. Fuck this place. I'm done with Earth. I'm gonna take my chick and we're gonna go to Mars and and we're going to build a giant clock city and live there.
2: So you are Diane Lane. You're Martha Kent in this film. Because before Superman goes to the Senate, he goes to talk to mom. She's like, you don't know this world a damn thing. Like, it was kind of annoying with Jonathan Kent, Kevin Costner's character, always being like, no, don't reveal yourself. They're going to hate you. Don't reveal yourself yet. And now his mom's just like, no, you don't need to help people. Just get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> Is Martha Kent an alcoholic? She seemed to be slurring. I really thought she was drunk.
3: She's had some rough times. I mean, to be fair, she's going to bury a son. She's buried a husband. She's working at a
2: diner. I mean. Yeah,
3: not even a Denny's. She can't even get that ginger to give her a job. Well,
2: they blew up the IHOP in the last film.
3: (laughs) Oh, right. But yeah, I mean, am I siding with her? No. When she said that line in the last movie, I'm like, that's a little harsh. That's not necessarily a great message. But you look at the response of the world. Hey, I tried to save you. And all I get is wall-to-wall, 24-hour media coverage of how shitty I am, I would be done with it, too. The only—you get the sense the only thing keeping him on Earth is his love for Lois. That is literally the only reason why he sticks around. So he's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. He is. That is exactly the conception. He is Dr. Manhattan. And again, why he doesn't go to Mars, I don't know. But he does. I mean, he sort of has a scene after the Senate blows up around him where he goes to a ledge and and tells Lois Lane, I've had enough, but we don't know where he goes. We don't know why he comes back. It's We don't know why Kevin Costner has a cameo. Oh, right. There is that weird Kevin Costner vision. There's a lot of visions
2: in this movie. A lot of dreams. Yes. I mean, can we talk about the crazy dream?
3: Yeah, well, there's a mausoleum zombie moment from Martha's tomb that was a little jarring. With the, It was like a bat with bloody mouth thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I hear people were trying to claim that was man bat. Uh, no, that's just a dream about his parents, like, haunting him still. Because like, that's going to be a plot point later but on. But
3: I would
1: love a man bat movie. I'm just going to put it out there.
2: <laughs> you may be one of the few. <laughs>
1: But the yeah, the main dream, the dream that I went to see this movie with a DC mega fan, the one I went to see Man of Steel with. And I was so glad I did because, yeah, Batman's <laughs> been having these nightmares, which I'm reading spelled online with a K, like that's a thing he has, dark nightmares. Oh, jeez And there's that scene where... It's in the trailer where like these troops are kneeling to Superman. And I saw that in the trailer. I'm like, that's a dream sequence or somebody saying, hey, this could happen. This is not really in the movie. And indeed, it is a dream. But Batman as Batman is going to the desert to get the kryptonite. I love his look there. It's like steampunk with the leather coat. I think that's the best bat suit in the movie.
2: Yeah, there is a graphic novel called Red Sun where Superman lands instead of Smallville, Kansas. He lands in Moscow, and so he's raised to be a Soviet, and Batman, like his parents were killed by the Gestapo. And he kind of has this similar look, wearing the trench coat and and all that. So, yeah, I, I dug that look. Yeah, it's awesome.
3: I'm going to just say that this is actually the coolest scene in the movie, but when it's revealed that it's a dream, it's the most frustrating.
2: Well, come on. Did you believe that it could be real? Like, no, but but it should have been. Don't do this if you're not going to commit to it. They are committing to it because, you know, apparently DC doesn't do post-credit scenes. Everyone was very disappointed. But <laughs> this is the post-credit scene. Like if you're a DC fan and I, I think of Seward when he got to the end of Avengers and he saw some purple guy and people were freaking out. And he's like, huh? But no, this, I mean, there's this huge omega symbol in the ground. This this is dark side. They are setting up dark side for the Justice League story. These flying demons, the parademons, they're his minions. Like, this is setting up something bigger.
3: Okay. I'm glad to know that because I felt, and it had to be because not not when this dream sequence ends, you know, he's wrestled to the ground, tied up, Superman lands and unmasks him. I knew that couldn't be real. By this point, I'm like, all right, you're angering me. It's not a vision of the future. It is just my neurosis about what Superman represents. Or is it a vision of the future? Because what
1: Superman says to him tells me there's something that is being said here that, couldn't be in Bruce's unconscious she was my world and you took her from me so this is an like alternate universe or something where Batman killed Lois I'm taking it or
2: it's the future yeah because we see after the dream there's an I think they're supposed to play it off as another dream but this is the flash like the flash is able to like run so fast he could travel through time and this is the flash trying to give him a warning. That there's something important about Lois and he's come too early, but remember Lois, that's the most important thing.
3: Yeah, you were always right, which is to, I take it to mean that Superman is going to be a problem. Batman purposely or inadvertently is going to do something that kills Lois Lane. And nobody, and no audience member will miss Amy Adams. And this movie will end up in the Mad Max world where where they are fighting, for real. You guys are making me like this scene a whole lot more than I did. That's exciting. No, it's not an exciting scene. It's a false tease. Well, they'll never make that movie.
2: No, well, I think this is what they're building up to in Justice League. If Infinity War is all about Thanos, they got to bring Darkseid in. I mean, that's, that's who the Justice League has got to fight.
3: I don't care about Darkseid, they are not going to destroy the world and have two superheroes fighting in the dust with armies and their logos on their little epilots or whatever running around with guns. I would love to see that
1: movie they're setting up. I honestly thought this was just Bruce Wayne having a nightmare of what Superman could become, but yet when Superman says, you took her from me, I don't know.
2: I'll just say they've done it in the comics. There's ways to do it. We'll see what Warner Brothers does. I don't totally throw the idea away. What troubled me about this dream scene, this is the first real action piece that we see. Batman thinks he's going to get a weapon to stop Superman. It's an ambush. He starts fighting. Look, crazy dream, post-apocalypse. He's shooting guns. I'm over it. I'm just going to say that. I won't complain about Batman using guns in this film. This is fan fiction. But when he starts fighting, it scared me for what I was going to see when he actually faced off against Superman. The choreography just was not great. Like I wasn't enthralled by when he starts punching these Superman soldiers and, and uh, it just, it looked clunky. I, I don't know what was going on. Maybe because it's all green screen. It just didn't excite me.
1: I didn't think it was that bad. I was surprised Batman got the beat down. He did, you know, Batman versus a bunch of guys later in the same movie, we're going to see Batman beat the crap out of a bunch of guys. So to see him taken down here, that was a little shocking to me.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the significance of these Superman soldiers are because this is tied to Dark Darkseid. You know, the new gods. I don't know how much of this is telling of the future and how much of this is just Bruce Wayne's neurosis and fear.
3: It's a dream, so we just won't know what it is. If they ever get to it, it's some movie three, four movies away. And right now, just treat it like a weird dream within a dream. Because then he wakes up and there's more dream, or at least there's a vision. And then when The Flash
1: shows up, I'm like, who is that? Because we haven't been seeing The Flash yet. I wondered if it was The
3: Flash, but it looked like, like the 1930s Flash with that weird hat. They seem to make a conscious choice not to have the red suit that he has on TV.
2: He looked like he had a red suit, but yeah, it's not the TV one. They're not going with that Flash, which I don't keep up with it, but out of all the current DC TV shows, that's the one I enjoyed the most when I was watching them or trying them out. But...
1: Yeah, he says, find Lois, she's the key, find the stone. I'm like, okay, this is the Thor taking a bath scene in Age of Ultron, is what this is.
2: More exciting, though, than Thor taking a bath.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think the Flash yelling, find the stone, is any more exciting than Chris Hemsworth without his shirt on, which I don't find exciting. It's like a David
3: Lynch moment.
2: Yeah, again, what I said at the beginning, DC feel so desperate to like try to get something to stick that they are really throwing everything out there and as someone that's a dc fan to have like this flash moment where he's running through time trying to warn bruce wayne like i'm kind of digging that as a fanboy, that's working for me
3: again if i thought they'd ever get there i would be more excited about this tease but i think that it's much like the the bat monster breaking out of the mausoleum or even a man of steel when he's falling through that pit of skulls or whatever. They just are prone to having these cool flashbacks or dream sequences that are cooler than the movie you're getting, frankly.
1: Yeah, because it's right after this that we're finally going to see Batman and Superman face off for the first time. The kryptonite's been smuggled in, I guess. Batman is going to steal it by shooting a tracker onto the vehicle, and then instead of actually tracking it, he's going to cause a chase sequence.
2: (laughs) Where he takes the bed of the tractor off, but fortunately that tracker stuck on to like the one piece of that covering that was on that truck. Like, why would you blow that thing up if you're trying to track it?
3: Yeah, it's hilarious to me. You pick one or the other. You're either covertly, sneakily watching it get back to LexCorp or you're ambushing them in the Batmobile and uh, he does both for reasons <laughs> I just do not understand. I, I'll just say that
1: with the mood of this film and everything, when the Batmobile shows up, and this is the introduction of the new Batmobile, and I like the design, and it starts this chase sequence, and then you got the Zimmer score going. I'm like, you're not going to do Dark Knight. You're just, you can't do that. Don't try. And indeed, Snyder cannot give us as exciting an action scene as Nolan. And, and No, it,
2: it, it's not. Gal Gadot's here. Fast and Furious, that's what I'm thinking. This is no Fast and Furious. A lot of the problem for this outside, it's this film is all at night, whereas Man of Steel is all during the day, day, night. Yeah, I get it. It's so dark, though. Maybe they underlit the projection I was watching, but I had a hard time following a lot of this just because it was such a dimly shot scene. Chase.
3: I liked it in the sense that, oh, the Batmobile, we hadn't seen it, and it's good to see it. I'm As a vision... Ben Affleck in the suit, the Batmobile that will turn into the Batwing, all of the design ideas, the new house that's all made of glass, all of that, I think, great. Aces to the art direction, the costumers of this movie, but as an action scene that gets me adrenalized, like Watchmen, I can't get excited about a fight where I don't know what I'm supposed to want and i don't know what i'm supposed to want does he want the thing to get tracked back to lex and find out who stole it or does he just want to get the thing i i don't know at this point he knows it's lex because he found out who owns the white portuguese yeah. and alfred
1: calls oh, him right.
2: out which was a boat not a person
3: right so he just needs to get the thing away he can't wrestle it away from a couple of russians apparently he's not that great he's o- he's mm. an older batman but yeah he can still do the crossfit though he's got the px90
1: at home Pulling the tire. (laughs) He should just start the BatFit program and he could make more (laughs) billions with BatFit. I love... Oh, God. When he was doing the pull-ups and there's weights on his knees like that, those huge heavy weights, that was... I, I know it's CGI and all, but still, I was like, wow, that is a strong Batman. But Clark Kent throughout this whole movie... He's been assigned to sports by Perry White, who's been turned into this headline-spouting cliche of a newspaper editor instead of an actual character that he was last film. And
2: he never does sports. He was barely in that last film, but okay. (laughs)
3: Yeah, you want more out of Larry than I do. I, I don't care if Larry's in this movie or not. He can end up on the editing room floor. But... Clark is obsessed with the Gotham bat. And I like Perry's one line here.
1: Yeah, crime in Gotham, water is wet. Where's the headline, you know? But one of a few
3: laughs in my theater. Yeah, I got a response.
1: He's just, for some reason, fixated on Batman. And it's because Batman started going darker. That's when he got Superman's attention, when he started branding people and things. And so Superman's going to interrupt this chase, smash the Batmobile, rip its hood off, and say, you're retired.
3: Yeah. And yet it's still he can drive it home and it appears to be fine. It's hey, that workout scene
1: has some rebuilding in it. He has to rebuild the machine.
2: Yeah, that thing's limping along as he's going back to the Batcave.
1: And Alfred's a mechanical genius. I mean, there's no Lucius Fox. We need to streamline this. But yeah, Alfred is able to help.
2: This seems like, you know, DC did this thing, Earth One, where their are original graphic novels. They've done it for Superman, Batman, Teen Titans. I think they're doing a Wonder Woman one. But it's really like, let's do graphic novels where they're just the new updated origin stories for people who like movies and they don't want to read 75 years worth of comics. And I feel like this Alfred in that Earth One Batman. He's very ex-military and has this this hard edge and I feel like they use that template for this Alfred here.
3: Yeah, I like Jeremy Irons as an actor. He looks good here. He's got a couple winning asides. But by and large, like Affleck, looks good, you know, is posed right, but doesn't seem to do much that is winning. I I wasn't won over by any of these characters. And he's just another one where I'm like, you would have been cool if someone knew how to utilize you.
1: All the supporting characters here are underused. I'm hopeful that Jeremy Irons will get to do more in the upcoming Bafleck solo film versus here where he, Perry White, Lois Lane... Poor Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> They're all just underused. We got to make room for a
3: Justice League. No time for humans. I think everyone is underutilized. I think Batman and Superman are underutilized. I feel like this is a movie where, again, like Watchmen, I cannot invest in anyone. I never really understand what's what I'm supposed to care about. Who am I rooting for?
1: I'm rooting for Batman because Superman's a dick.
3: Superman rips off the hood of a car. Superman could have knocked on the door. You guys are really tough on Superman. When he is a good guy, he's a Boy Scout that's boring. And when he has an attitude, he's a dick and an asshole. I just think you guys don't like Superman. You don't like the character. You like Batman because you like the idea of a renegade.
2: No, that's not true. I like I recommended Superman 3. Like, I liked that version of Superman, the Boy Scout version of Superman, where they had writers and an actor who could pull that off. That's not happening here. Superman 3 better than Batman
1: v. Superman. That's the Perry White headline.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying that right now, but... Not out loud, but I can read your mind. No, but what I do like is when... Batman, like, turns that corner, and Superman just standing there, and it's like, I love that Ben Affleck's, like, wide eyes, like, that oh shit moment, and he kind of just bounces off of Superman, and it's into the wall.
1: Snyder is great at visuals, and yeah, the way that scene's composed, the way the light comes across Superman, the way we cut to Batman hitting the gas, hoping it's gonna hurt Superman, the way the Batmobile careens around. It's a great looking scene, but I'm just like, Superman, You're stay over the harbor. Is there not enough global things for you to worry about? You got to come
2: into Gotham and shake down a superhero? I mean, we should say the reason that we're being given in this movie that Batman, that I guess what's pushed him over the edge with Superman, was that bombing at the Capitol building in D.C. Like the, the guy in the wheelchair, Bruce Wayne had saved him during the whole Metropolis thing with Superman and Zod. He lost his legs. Bruce Wayne, Wayne Industries, had been sending him checks, which kept getting returned with these notes. And he keeps getting these letters, you know, you let your family die, like all these notes, which I think we find out Luther's been doing all that. But this is what's pushed him over, is that this security guard that he thought he took care of is now dead because Superman failed to save him. And because he put him in the wheelchair in the first place through his actions with Zod.
3: It's all his fault. Superman did everything wrong. He's terrible. This is why Superman can't win. I would be so pissed. If I've saved some astronauts in a rocket and all I got was bad press, people saying, oh, you didn't do it cleanly enough. You didn't pick up the trash after you moved the rocket from the flame. I mean, my God, <laughs> you can't, you just don't like him. I, he hasn't done anything to like. I, here, here's what I will say. I feel his pain. I feel the pain of someone that is doing his best to do good and at every given
2: turn is vilified for it. I don't know if he's doing his best. That's the thing. If I felt that there was some remorse, the fact that at the beginning of this film, before he slams an African warlord through 17 walls, he smiles. Like, this is not a person conflicted with his powers and trying to figure out how to be the best he can.
3: He is not Jesus.
1: I thought we established that. Listen, I'm not really that strong on either side. Neither hero is actually acting in a way I can represent. I'm just saying I have more fun watching Ben Affleck in this
3: film than I have watching Henry Cavill. And that's what I'll give you is that as much as I am team Superman throughout all of this, he makes it hard for you because the character doesn't have any fun. There is no sense of joy. Even the sex scene felt sexless. I, I really did not, oh yeah. I did not feel like I should want to be Superman. Usually in a superhero movie, you project yourself into the, you know, the hero on the screen. And in this case, No, it looks like a miserable time, and at no point does he seem to be having any fun. But, yeah, between the two of them, I must be Team Wonder Woman. Although, I don't understand her either. You know, she was not able to figure out the encryption device. It takes Bruce to get it back and send her this photo that she's been looking for. 1918.
2: Bruce has a back computer. She doesn't have a Wonder Computer to break the encryption. I guess not. What we finally see is a photo from 1918, in
3: which, yeah, she's got the tiara on and everything. She kind of looks like the Linda Carter cooler version, but it begs so many questions. This was the moment she walked away from humanity?
2: Well, I think we'll find more out in that Wonder Woman movie. But here's the thing that excited me. I love when Cap... They made that film into a World War 2 film basically like that's the same thing that excites me about Wonder Woman is when they do the old stuff and when she's fighting in the World Wars and helping the soldiers out like
1: Yeah, it's a World War 1 movie. They're going to best Marvel. We're going to go even earlier.
2: Yeah, this is 1918, I believe, is the picture.
1: I think we're not supposed to understand this. We're supposed to ask, why did she walk away from humanity? And that's what the movie is going to tell us. It's a hook for the next one. She's set up to do good in a
3: future movie, but I mean, it's hard to root for her. She has three scenes here. Uh, Gal Gadot is... Good enough. I mean, like Ben Affleck, particularly, she inspires the idea that she could do this role whenever she's going to be asked to do this role. But for this movie, she gets lost in the shuffle. And it's a compliment to her that I want to see her standalone movie.
2: Yeah, I think the funniest title I read for this was Batman v. Superman. Hi, I'm Wonder Woman. Because That's <laughs> that's how it kind of feels. It's like Wonder Woman's just going to show up. It, it would have been one thing to have her slinking around as we see her in Gotham, but she's going to become pivotal towards the end, or at least she's going to help out. I don't know if she turns the fight around. She lets Bruce live a little longer because she got magical bracelets. But yeah, it, it's weird that this is, is focused on Batman and Superman, but Wonder Woman's going to end up having uh, an important role to play by the end of it. I don't know how important it is. There would be no Batman if she didn't show up. Again, contrivance written, but
1: I would equate Wonder Woman to Batman v Superman as I think of Black Widow to Iron Man 2. She doesn't really need to be there. She becomes way too big a part of
2: it. Oh, she's much better than Black Widow in Iron Man 2 here. But just as clumsy an insertion
1: and just as needless to this story. I mean, we've got so much going on already.
2: It is weird. I get why she shows up at the library, because she's trying to get that photo off of Lex's server. Like, later on, Bruce is going to bump into her while they're looking at a fake Greek sword. I don't understand why she's there. I don't know why she's spending so much time when she fails to decrypt that hard drive. I don't know why she sticks around Gotham for so long.
3: And to be clear, I don't think that if she had had a full movie beforehand, that it would make these scenes, you know, really sing or something... All that she really does is uh, make an appearance. I mean, she just wants to let you know they're going to get to her eventually. And if you're a Wonder Woman fan, there's reason to feel encouragement. Again, they're
1: spending so much time world building. Is it to the disservice of this movie? It certainly is later on when she gets the unencrypted files as Batman and Superman are heading to their face off, right? They're about to fight. And then we're going to spend five minutes looking at files of other heroes. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I hope that's an encrypted email that he sent because that's some damning evidence. I mean, can we just talk about that email right now? It doesn't
1: implicate him. Maybe
2: he's going Snowden. Yeah, it doesn't damn Bruce. But yeah, we're told Luther has this theory about metahumans that there's more people like Superman when Bruce Wayne decrypts that hard drive that he downloaded. There's all these files. The one about Wonder Woman, it's got that picture. That's why Wonder Woman's been walking around Gotham, I guess, visiting Gotham because she's been trying to get this picture back.
3: You can't get a picture back by taking it from the computer, right? I mean Yeah, I mean, once
2: it's digital.
3: No, you have to like put a virus on there and
1: delete the picture. It's not a <laughs> or maybe he has a physical copy that he scanned? I don't she know. She still don't have it. But yeah, it just makes no sense. Yeah. And maybe she could just say, "Hey, I look a lot like my grandma." But
3: <laughs> I would never wear that headdress
1: But honestly When Bruce is opening that file He opens the Wonder Woman one I'm like yeah But I'm looking at the symbols I'm like open oh, some of those others What I, I know the A's for Aquaman, Flash
2: yeah, Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman
1: She finally opens it And we get to see what The Flash stop a convenience store robbery Aquaman kind of
3: Hanging in the Titanic
2: It's weird how long he looks at that camera it Before is. he decides to stab it with his Triton
3: and it still gets away with a photo with him.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was another camera down there. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: It's transmitting. And then we, the, we spend way too much time on cyborg, honestly. I would have been fine if we just had a file Ooh. on cyborg with a quick scene. When we see this like rattling box and this dismembered body, I'm like, I understand what I'm seeing. I know who cyborg is from an 80s cartoon, but come on. What happened to this movie? Where, where is Batman v Superman anymore? This is all down to justice.
2: Well, that's in the title, too.
3: (laughs) This is all Legend of the Superheroes. That cyborg scene is distressingly bad. I don't know who that is, but that magic Rubik's Cube that makes the torso man come to life, that was horrible. Horribly acted, horribly staged. It does not beg me to want to see more of that.
2: None of them do. I'm not sure what origin they are going with with cyborg. Like, I guess in the original, they had like this interdimensional robotic stuff. I know in the new 52 when they rebooted everything a few years back, they used a mother box, which is tied to dark side. So I don't know if they're tying dark side to cyborg here. And that's how he's going to get into our world. But yeah, this is all set up. Like I knew Aquaman was showing up. They had said that I didn't know about flash. Eh, I knew about cyborg too. I didn't know. Yeah. We're going to just see a torso sitting around.
3: It looks bad. All three of them do not make you want to see them come together for a new movie.
2: I want to see a flash movie. I don't know if I would or not. Only
1: if it explains why the hell he was, like, screaming about a rock. As bad as all of them look, you can't tell me any of them are as bad as Doomsday, because Lex Luthor took that kryptonite scalpel and cut off Zod's fingerprints, making each of his fingers look like a little mini Hannibal Lecter mask, and used it to go on board the ship, take control, and start dealing with the Kryptonian eugenics program and Zod's corpse.
3: I thought Michael Shannon was coming back. I didn't know they had an end monster.
2: I mean, I do feel like a lot of things were cut out with Lex interacting with this Kryptonian ship. There is one scene that they released online. Ugh, I It's hard for me to tell what it is. Cause I don't have the context, but there is another being there and he's manipulating, you know, when we see cyborg in that metal, that's going to become him. This being has something like that. From what I read, It's Steppenwolf, who is associated with Darkseid. It seems like they really wanted a lot more Darkseid stuff going on in this film to set up perhaps the Justice League. Again, this is all Fourth World, New God stuff from Jack Kirby. I'm kind of excited to see that stuff, but it makes no sense here, and it would take a whole lot of setup for it to make any sense here.
1: Uh Uh-huh. You said a lot of
2: words. I'll just say, let's hope a future movie explains it. (laughs) It all goes with that dream that Bruce had, is what I'm saying. But I feel like even besides that scene, you know, you think about the Christopher Reeve Superman films where, you know, with the crystals and Lex gets the Fortress of Solitude and he's like, teach me everything. Like, we do get that moment here Mm -hmm. where he's going to find all out about Kryptonians, I guess, and all their knowledge. Boom. All of a sudden he's making a doomsday baby. All right.
1: And now just just as a status check, how are you guys at the movie at this time? Because I enjoyed the beginning hour. You're right. Fun wasn't the right word, but I was engaged. But all of this the justice league stuff anything with gal gadot here in the middle of the senate now i'm like checking my watch this movie ground to a
2: halt Look, that, that first hour of Man of Steel I really enjoyed. I wasn't feeling any of that during this. I wasn't bored, but again, maybe I'm a DC fanboy. I liked it when Wonder Woman shows up. I like it when we saw that Justice League show up.
3: I was concerned about a lot of things throughout it, but I was staying positive and giving it a green arrow until we see how Lex is going to kidnap Martha To instigate the fight. Indeed, yes. That the fight doesn't come from two superheroes that want to beat each other, but you're blackmailing me with my mama into beating up the superhero is an instant red arrow. I was sitting there going, you know what, this
1: movie, I'm not loving it, but... It's perfectly good, you know? I'll give it a a pass. Exactly. I thought it was a step up from Man of Steel, even if I thought a lot of it was boring, and I thought it would all go someplace. The moment Mm -hmm. that Lex starts this eugenics program, again, that word contrivance, everything that happens, he had perfectly got Batman pissed off enough to fight and kill Superman. He'd sent the letters. He'd brought the kryptonite in so Wayne could steal it. You're assuming that was done on purpose to let him get it. I, I don't care. He brought it in and Wayne stole it. I, I don't know Lex's motivations. And Superman is so concerned by the way Batman's going. He said, next time they turn on that light, don't answer it. So Batman is standing there at the light i don't know how long he stands there it seems longer than waiting for a jimmy john sandwich because superman was not so fast it's freaky in order to kick off the match lex kidnaps lois and pushes her off a roof you do not need to do this lex the fight is set i mean before muhammad ali and george foreman go at it do you have to go and push muhammad ali's girlfriend off a ledge Everything Lex does from this moment on is stupid. Kidnapping Martha Kent. I was interested when I saw she was working at a restaurant taking out the garbage and people were coming for her. I honestly thought they'd run her down. I thought that was, like, going to be a way to get Superman all pissed at humanity was by killing his mom. But he pushes Lois off this roof, which brings Superman from Antarctica. He can hear her. Well,
2: yeah, because Superman we're told superman's disappeared after that bombing like no one's seen him and this is the only way to get his attention apparently
3: why go the mom route if you kidnap lois and he loves lois isn't that enough like why kidnap two women in his
2: life well because he had to push lois off the building to get him to show up and then have someone else kidnapped <laughs> to get him to go fight so bad so 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 are you telling me that
1: Superman was hanging out in the Fortress of Solitude with Kevin Costner?
2: Which is an igloo at this point. There's not even a Fortress of Solitude. I'm just calling it that. It's a
1: little... I I think they're on Everest. I mean, he says it's all downhill from here. How true. But from that distance, he hears Lois falling. He catches her. They smile at each other. He never says, hey, why are you falling off a building? Which would be my first question. If Marjorie was falling from a building and I saved her, I'd be like... So what happened? But he goes up to Lex, who throws Polaroids at him.
2: Here's the thing. He's going to use this... I've got your mom. You got to bring me the head of Batman and I'll release your mom. And this is how freaking dumb Superman is. Like we were told in the last story when Superman was a little kid and all the senses were going crazy. Martha, his mom says, focus in on my voice. Like, really? Why do you have to go fight Batman? Yes. Mm -mm. You could hear things all over the world. Go save your damn mom. Yes. Problem solved. Stuart, that's why I hate the Superman. He's stupid. Indeed. Superman has an hour. He has an hour
1: to kill Batman. Well, he was in freaking Siberia and hears that Lois is falling and finds her. He has super hearing. He has x-ray vision.
3: He decides he's going to go ask Batman for help versus finding his mama. Yeah. And instead of like leading with that, like flying down and being like, I know you want to kill me, but we I have this problem, and I need your help. He, the, he, like, he does the hard-thud land and, like...
2: Yeah, he shows up in the most threatening way possible. Yeah.
3: Let's Batman run the table with all of this stuff,
1: and... Which I do say I love, because it was a callback to Superman 1, wasn't it? When Lex Luthor is letting Superman into his lair, Lex tried flamethrowers and machine guns. Here, Batman tries sound and machine guns. I kind of took it as the same thing. Some kind of
2: Were you thinking the Incredible Hulk? Like, they do that sound thing, and he just takes the the manhole covers and smashes them?
1: But, I mean, Superman did the same thing when he was entering Lex's lair. I did not think Incredible Hulk. I just thought Gene Hackman.
3: And so now he's being forced back into the same situation as, do I kill Zod or let the innocent people go? They're putting him back in that stupid situation at some point he really is trying to kill batman i get the sense you know yeah he throws him through walls he is not
1: pulling punches i don't think Mm -mm. if you want this guy's help why are you beating the crap out of him
3: yes this is ill conceived any complaint i would have about this fight it gives you what you wanted to see but the way in which it's contrived what's happening is infuriating unforgivable
2: I'll say this. This is almost directly out of The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Like, Batman shows up in the robot suit, which which I love. We finally got some glowing... Batman eyes, like, it, it, you always see his pupils coming through that mask. And the comics, it's always just like these white lenses. So like that. You got the robot suit. And that comic, though, Ronald Reagan has told Superman, you need to go bring that guy under control because he's causing people to, to turn against the government in Gotham and cause, it's going to cause riots. And Superman does try to talk to him. Batman is the aggressor the entire time in that fight. Like here, I feel like you could have done that same thing. Like Batman is crazy at this point. This is just crazy Batman blinded with rage. If you had him as the aggressor and Superman just like sitting there taking the punches, trying to calm him down. But this is dumb Superman. But that would have been smart Superman. I could have gone with this fight better. I mean, I'm I'm just enjoying it in the bang your toys against each other kind of way. But yeah, there's logically Superman's dumb and could have stopped this very early.
1: Yeah. And I wanted this fight. I really did. But when I was watching it, I was like, well, it looks good. Snyder has a good way with visuals. But I was not excited, adrenalized. No, the fights in Watchmen were better than this. I honestly equated this to watching two ants fighting under a microscope. You're like, oh, that one's winning. Okay, But I didn't feel anything. And more importantly, this is when I realized I was Team Batman. Because earlier, Batman had said, do you bleed? And Superman just gave him this, like, you look (laughs) and so the whole fight when he hits superman with the kryptonite gas and he's weakened i'm like come on superman you gotta make him bleed you gotta make him bleed because superman was such a jerk make him bleed
2: yes i I was waiting for that moment
3: (laughs) could he be killed at this point when he's in the weakened state he takes abuse that a human wouldn't survive i think the spear would have killed him
2: if you would have snapped his neck in the weakened state yeah i think that would have killed him i mean that seemed to work with zod even though he had superpowers if you can Break the spinal cord or something. Okay. But yeah, it,
1: and I thought he was going to. He does like a pile driver move at one point.
2: Yeah, he, he's he's gonna do like a suplex or something on him. He's doing a full on <laughs> WWE move at one point. But yeah, if it's that kryptonite spear that he needs to use because that gas is diluted, it's not as pure. He needs the pure kryptonite spear yeah. to run through him. That's my sense. Is there's
3: only one thing that can kill him, and it's the kryptonite spear. And so all of this fighting is just for us to enjoy and I, it did get a cheer moment I there was very few cheer moments in the final fight there were two one of which was Wonder Woman's introduction and one of which was you know Batman is punching 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 and the gas wears off and you, you realize he's punching something that becomes harder and harder until like I think it bends his glove or something
2: yeah I like that moment he keeps punching him mm-hmm. and all of a sudden his gauntlet's all crushed
1: yeah it's just kind of fun because I think it's now over but he gets another gas grenade in
3: to prolong the fight. That's why we're here. They need to make this fight big and long. I mean, I don't think we're going to have the same complaint we did with Man of Steel where the fighting is going on too long. This fight took forever to get to. They need to make it over the top. But it isn't really their fight. Again, Superman is being blackmailed into doing this. He doesn't want to kill Batman. And Batman doesn't want to kill him when he finds out they share, uh, their mothers, rather, share the same name. My first question to you, Jacob,
1: is Bruce Wayne's mother's name Martha? I know it's Martha Kent. Is it Martha
2: Wayne, too? Yeah, Jonathan and Martha Kent for Clark and Thomas and Martha Wayne for Batman. Wow. I couldn't remember for sure. Maybe Martha. I mean, in the 30s, Martha must have been a very popular name. And I'll I'll say this. I... Look, for Crazy Batman, I like that this is the moment that brings him back. I like that his arc is that he gets the chance to save his mom. Like, they make that big deal with the pearls and her getting shot at the beginning. Like, it, it's kind of a cool resolution that, like, Batman comes back to reality or sanity, whatever you want to call it, to save his mom in some way. I, I like that moment. Oh, yeah. I just
3: did. Uh... <laughs> I like I like the uh, the impulse. I like the creative impulse to make it feel that way. But this looks silly. It's laughable when he's like, "What did you say? Huh? Did you say Martin? It say it like Scooby Doo?"
1: <laughs> but it was the words were even if the. He inflection wasn't. And I agree. I mean, he has had such rage over Superman. Honestly, the way I think it would go, he
3: goes, Martha, you said my mother's name stab. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How dare you invoke her? I don't know. It's it's an odd way to end the fight and it's over. There is no more beef between them. It's contrived. Yes. It is now let us go rescue Martha from one guy with a flamethrower because Superman couldn't handle it
1: best fight in the movie if I'm like crossing my arms at this point and I went in and I had some fun but I crossed my arms when Lex started going nuts and pushed Lois off this fight made me uncross them Batman versus all those guys oh my lord that's exciting I think it's the best action scene Snyder has ever put on screen It, and I've seen every one of his films except for that owl thing so unless that owl thing has a kick ass fight this is it
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I like this. You know, he comes in through the bottom floor. He's got that gun that shoots the magnets to take everyone's guns. Like, Yeah, this is fun, creative stuff going on. It it doesn't happen a lot, I feel, with Snyder. But whoever staged this, I like this fight.
3: What is Superman doing in the meantime that he can't help Martha?
2: He's going to the alien ship because all of a sudden the ship is lighted up and is taking power from the city. Okay, so even
3: though everything was about saving Martha, when Bush comes to shove, I'm going to outsource that to Batman and go to the show.
2: See, you're coming around on my feelings about Superman. I, I'm glad to hear that.
3: No, that's poor writing. That's not Superman. That's poor writing. But
2: Well, that's my problem with Superman in these films. He's poorly written.
1: It's the way Superman is written, but Batman has to convince him all of a sudden, hey, I almost killed you a minute ago, but I didn't. So I swear to you, I'll save your mom. And fortunately, Deus Ex Alfreda has the exact location where she is.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is bad, people. This is really bad. This is like... Whatever it costs, whatever the delays are, we wait six months and put this movie out and fix this ending. This is not acceptable.
1: Except that fight that he, when Batman gets to the warehouse is awesome. My, <laughs> my friend told me that it's like the fighting moves Batman uses here. He said it's like a scene right out of the Arkham Knight game. I haven't played those. I'm going to. I just bought it because I want to play that if this is that level.
2: I think you will like that game, Arnie. I've always had a problem because it's basically Batman punching people so hard he kills them. But yeah, it's Batman. You you, you could do your little combos and spin around and kick people. This does feel like a scene out of those Arkham Knight video games.
3: I mean, it's a cool action moment, but I, I we didn't need the scene. We did not need Martha being saved by a flame retardant cape.
1: No, the whole thing at the end with the flamethrower guy, that was a little much, but everything getting there. And the one laugh my audience gave up and teasing it is after he saves Martha, he goes, I'm a friend of your son's. You're friends now? And she says, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, The cape. That is when my audience laughed. The only time my audience gave any visible reaction was when Martha Kent commented on the capes.
3: Yeah, I got a big response in mind as well. And again, you notice those moments because by and large, it was a quiet audience and they were wearing cosplay. I mean, th- these were people that were opening night mega hyped. And I wouldn't say that they were cheering that often. I
1: do like, though, speaking of the capes, that Batman's cape is actually used against him in these fights. You know, people are grabbing the cape and throwing him down by it. And I'm like, you know, that is good to show capes are a really stupid fighting apparatus. <laughs>
2: As pointed out in The Incredibles.
1: And in the graphic novel for Watchmen.
2: Yes, there's Dollar Bill who gets caught by his cape.
1: But yeah, while Batman's having the best fight of the movie, Superman is going off to see the creation of a villain. Is he as bad as Nuclear Man or is he worse than Nuclear
2: (laughs) Man? Look, I'm going to say this. This is... Straight out of the death of Superman, which was a huge event in 92, I believe, where they were going to kill Superman off and he was going to fight Doomsday. It's bad. It's just like seven issues of Batman and Doomsday punching each other until they both die.
1: I had read one Superman comic in my life. I read the newspaper strips back in the 70s and 80s, but I'd only read one comic book until death of Superman. And I was like, that's it? Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. What shocks me, they're going for it here. Like, if you haven't seen it, big spoilers coming up. I felt like this movie kept a tighter lid on the spoilers and then the Force Unleashed did. Like, I'm shocked at the end where this movie's going to go. But yeah, Doomsday's going to come out. He's birthed. birth. They've changed him a little bit.
1: Yeah, they turned him into the abomination from the Incredible Hulk. That's when I thought Hulk.
2: That is true yeah in the comic they took like this single cell organism and they expose it to like a harsh planet and it dies and they scoop it up and uh, they take the genetic material and what it learned and like they keep trying to get it to evolve until it can withstand all this stuff but here they've changed it like every time he gets wounded he's gonna yeah do this nuclear explosion and evolve himself and become stronger which makes bones come out of him I guess that's what that means. Oh, I couldn't tell what was going on. I couldn't even tell why Lex made him. I mean,
3: honestly, I was just like, oh, I was going to get you with this kidnapped mother plot. But since that didn't work, uh, how about a monster?
2: I I don't think he expected Batman to actually win the fight. So this was going to get rid of Batman. And then he'd unleash Doomsday to get rid of Superman.
1: And I honestly believe because of the whole kryptonite thing, he thought Batman would defeat Superman. But Doomsday was plan B. (laughs) Okay. this is how clear the movie is. All three
3: of us choose your own adventure. And instantly when it popped out, I go, they're going to kill it with the spear. Well, yeah, automatically, like without any suspense. Here's an unstoppable monstrosity. I'm like, well, if it came from Krypton cells, you kill it with the spear.
1: juxtaposed against this, Lois has the spear and is taking it to (laughs) some body of water that happens to be near the fight for some reason. I thought it was flooding. No, it turns out to be fathoms deep and she throws it in. Come on. I really expected Aquaman to pop up and go, no, you need this. But didn't happen.
2: (laughs) Yeah. For some reason, Lois goes over to where this big fight is in the abandoned port. And, yeah, chucks the spear into the water. Superman finally, finally does something smart and decides to fly Doomsday, like, up into space. Like, get him away from the planet. That's what you wanted. I'm like, Jacob, you got it. Yes, I'm like, they're finally doing something smart. And then the president authorizes the launch of a nuke, which we saw in Avengers, like, but this is this is the one other moment out of the dark knight returns i feel like that in the backdrop of that story is all this stuff going on with the cold war turning hot and Superman tries to stop a nuke, and it totally destroys him. We see that, like, Doomsday falls to Earth, Superman's floating in space, all withered-looking, and...
1: Snyder came out and said that this whole thing is to set up the very end of the film. We're supposed to see Superman, I thought he did look rather gray and gaunt, but he floats into the yellow sun, and it brings him back to life. It's supposed to signify Superman can die and come back, so he does it twice in this movie.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if there's questions about Superman being able to die. I know that that's the whole point of kryptonite.
1: No, I think it's more about the resurrection. It is Easter weekend after all. <sighs> and can I just say I'm not a nuclear scientist nor a missile expert, but I don't think you can target a nuclear missile to a target the size of a person, a moving person, and actually hit them the way it does. Heat-seeking missile. There's a heat-seeking Yeah, nuke, they're moving right? fast.
2: There's heat coming off of them.
1: <laughs> is it a heat-seeking nuke? Do they have that? Yeah,
3: sure. Why not?
2: Yeah, why Look, not? Look, I'm not going to get wound up over a nuke hitting them in this film. They Leave those efforts for something more important.
3: Yeah, nor did I think that if it did manage to hit them, that it would have any effect. I mean, again, you've established one thing can kill Superman. One thing is going to kill this other Kryptonian mutant
1: Well, breaking his neck, so two things.
3: (laughs) Well, I I guess, you know, yeah, I guess you're right. I I never thought about Zod in the same way. But yes, you're right. You could break his neck. But again, all of this feels like it was done for us, for the spectacle of it. But I'm like, yeah, and eventually they'll get back to Earth and get to that sphere. There's no excitement to whether this will work.
2: And Doomsday falls back to Earth onto an island that's uninhabited. Thank goodness. Because they want to make a point that innocent people aren't dying here. Oh, that again, contrived.
3: My God! And if he had landed in a populated city, you'd be screaming that Superman is letting the people die. He cannot win! No,
1: Superman wouldn't be letting the people die. He tried. That's the difference. Getting Doomsday up to space he tried. If people die, he's done the best he could to move the fight away.
2: I just find it funny because they like they make that point like 3 or 4 times through. Yeah. Anderson Cooper's like, "Everyone's gone home from downtown Metropolis. There's no one there, guys. No one." It's just so reactionary. Yeah.
3: I didn't even notice it, but then again, I didn't notice the problem of the last movie. So, there you go.
2: We find out that Doomsday, like, whenever he gets really hurt, he blows up and turns into something else. We see that blast. We think Bruce is going to die. But no, Wonder Woman shows up. She was on a plane ready to leave until she saw what was going on. You know, the score, like, changes. It's been this big, thudding... Hans Zimmer, Junkie XL score like they've done before. I don't know if it's supposed to be sitar. This is some Greek instrument. It's not quite electric guitar, but like definitely bring something in there when she shows up. And again, I'm just like, sweet. Like, look, there's nothing intelligent here. I'm not going to try to concede and say like, this is such a great cinematic moment. But to see like Wonder Woman show up and come and fight, I'm enjoying this as a comic book fan.
1: I think I'm right with Stuart. I think I'm Team Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot is the only person who looks like she's having fun in this fight. She smiles. She's, like, happy to be in the fight, and that, like, makes me like her. I heard all these online people, oh, Gal Gadot, she doesn't have the body type for Wonder Woman. She's too small. She's not Amazonian. She's too short. And I'm like... But you know what? She's got the toad. She's got the look. She was my favorite fighter
3: in this ending. Yeah. Yeah. She breaks out the lasso at one point. I thought it was going to start telling the truth. Yes, I did too. I'm like, Doomsday's going to spill the secrets. (laughs) It's going to be like, I know this movie's not very good. I know you guys can see all the holes.
1: (laughs) All right. And you know what else though? When Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman are all attacking Doomsday and Wonder Woman cuts off his hand. It's reminding me of the climax of Sucker Punch. But this is a much better movie than Sucker Punch.
2: (laughs) I didn't see it. I blocked that movie out, so I don't remember that part. I'm getting a Lord of the Rings vibe here, though. I mean, this Doomsday looks like a troll. and She's able to injure it. She's not able to kill it, but she's slashing it up with her sword.
1: It grows back its limbs very quickly. Yeah. And so Batman, who was so upset about Metropolis getting destroyed, is like, we need the spear. So let's lead it to my town. (laughs) So it goes back to Gotham with him, and I still didn't realize they were going to kill Superman. I mean, I knew Doomsday was here, I knew Doomsday killed Superman, but I still, because I knew they were leading up to Justice League, and you're not going to have that without Superman, I still didn't think... They were gonna kill him.
2: No, I thought they were gonna bane Doomsday here, as they did in to Bane and Batman and Robin. Like he was gonna be this character that shows up. That didn't have a whole lot of connection to his comic book story. Here's where I thought this film was going. We see Lois, she's trying to get that spear because of that fight with Doomsday. Like things fall into that water hole that she's trying to get the spear out of. She's gonna drown. I'm thinking, oh, Batman's got to save her because he had that vision. You know, don't let it happen to Lois or whatever it was. I thought he was going to go, like, find out she was distressed and save her. But no, Superman just shows up. So I guess whatever's happening to Lois is in some other film. He can't hear Martha, but he can hear
1: Lois specifically pounding on a rock. Yeah, because he cares about one thing. Yeah, but it's not even her scream. She can't scream underwater. She kind of, but he hears her pounding on the rock. He knows what she sounds like underwater. They had
3: that sex scene. Oh,
1: maybe so. (laughs) Maybe so.
3: But, you know, this is this is ultimately where it announces this is a Superman movie. Batman may be here. Wonder Woman may be here. But this is the sequel to Man of Steel. And it completes the Christ metaphor, right? I mean, you're shocked that he dies? It's got to. It was a world that didn't accept him as a savior. He has to die for our sins and for Justice League to be born.
2: Ugh, I hate the Christ metaphor with Superman. I, here's what uh, shocked me is that they were playing out the Doomsday story from the comic. Like in that comic, yeah, Superman defeats Doomsday because they just beat each other to death. Like that is the resolution. They just punch each other so hard that they both finally collapse and die. And, you know, there's a kryptonite spear here, but Superman's going to get punctured through this bone hand. And there's kryptonite involved. So he's weak. Like he's got a big old hole in his chest. Like they die fighting each other. I did not expect it to go there.
1: I actually really like this because one of the other reasons I was Team Batman, Stuart, is because Batman made a very good point. He says to Superman, you're not a hero. Men are heroes. And it, it really made me think, yeah, if there's no risk, there's no heroic act. You look at real world heroes. Those are people who risk everything for the sake of others. Superman can't be hurt. What is he risked? He can be shot at a million times. The only thing he risks is the lives of others. He is not a hero, even if he is a martyr. Just in the, I've given up my whole life to help you ungrateful people. But here, Superman shows Batman... May have been right. It reminded me of Avengers when Captain America told Iron Man, you've never been one to throw yourself on the grenade. And Iron Man then at the end has to fly into space and almost sacrifice himself. Here, this moment is Superman's first heroic moment in two movies.
2: Okay, I agree. Superman sucks. That's what they should have called this. Thank you for coming around to our point of view. <laughs> anyway, I just, I'm just
3: i just giving up. You guys hate him and he's dead, so I'm sure you love this. I don't hate him. I just like Batman
2: more. And I'm just talking about this specific version of Superman. Like, oh, he is the worst.
3: I imagine there were no tears then when they have... It was confusing that they had two funerals. Is he outed? Is I know that the Daily Planet lists Clark is
2: missing. No, no, they say he's dead. Perry White has an obituary for Clark and Perry White's an idiot like the whole time he's like where's Clark why is he always disappearing I'm like you work with this guy you have pictures of Superman dude just puts on glasses like what kind of journalist are you Perry like Superman and Clark have a funeral at the same time but I don't
1: think that he's outed I think no. that they're burying Superman and they're burying Clark. Clark is missing. I really thought Clark's would be the empty casket, right? Because obviously if Superman's dead, the government's going to steal that like they did Zod. I don't believe they'd bury him. I think they'd keep him around for scientific testing, too, because they lost Zod.
2: Well, maybe Wonder Woman and Batman got his body out of there.
3: Well, here's where I was confused. I was like, if we have established that these Kryptonian ships can bring people back from the dead, why aren't they bringing him in there? Why aren't they doing what... And that's what they do in the comic. Okay. I well, mean, they... he,
2: he's brought back through Krypton technology in the Fortress of Solitude.
3: Yeah, that seemed to me where it was going. But uh, no, they're putting him in the ground. And Lex is rightfully
2: put in prison. Do they shave your head in prison like they do when you join the military? No. I I thought there was going to be like some explosion where he lost his hair. I'm waiting for Lex to go bald, but no, they just shave it here.
1: I think he's just requested it maybe. Hey, if I'm going to prison, can you take (laughs) off my
3: hair? And is this a dream sequence or did this really happen? Batman comes to him in the jail cell and he warns him about whatever you called it, coming from space and eating humanity. Does he really warn Batman? Or was that all in his head because he's crazy crazy? I took it as really happening because this shows
1: Batman is a hero again. He could have branded Lex. He could have killed Lex. Lex caused all this. Lex manipulated him. He has that brand right there. He chooses to punch the wall instead of Lex. If this was a dream sequence, it robs
3: Batman of his arc. Okay, I I really wasn't clear. Because there are two security guards that Batman probably punched out in order to do this moment. But whatever.
2: Well, no, I I think it's like the Dark Knight where they just disappear and let him in.
1: Yeah, earlier Clark says that Batman's working with the police. So I take it as they're like paving the way for Batman to get in there. I think they want Lex dead too I'd be happy to let Batman brand him. But I'm projecting.
2: I feel like Warner Brothers, because they, I I don't know, maybe they're afraid people won't stay for the after credit scenes or something, but I feel like they put them all at the ending. This feels like a Lord of the Rings ending where, yeah, we get the scene with Lex in jail. We get two funerals. We're going to have this whole conversation between Wonder Woman and Bruce Wayne about now they got to put together this Justice League because something's coming. This movie just goes on for a while at the end.
1: It does to me, too. And I I literally was thinking of Return of the King with the funeral scene and everything. I'm like, okay, is there going to be something else i felt superman resurrection had to happen because this was going on too long and it was all montage but lois lane gets that engagement ring that was not set up anywhere (laughs) it's like and it's bad timing oh you're grieving so much here make it harder on yourself by knowing he was going to propose with this tiny diamond superman can crush coal and turn it into a better (laughs) diamond than what was on that ring henry
3: cavill is a dick Oh my god! He's cheap, bastard! (laughs) God damn! He ought to stay in that casket. I don't know what's happening to make the dirt fly up at the end, but just stay down, motherfucker. Just stay down.
1: They don't love you! I felt this had to lead to Superman's resurrection, but then i thought it wasn't going to when they're gathering but i think how can you have justice league without superman warner brothers marketing was assembled the seven if you don't have superman you're assembling the six but batman and wonder woman have this scene in their civilian clothes where he's like we need to get people together there's a fight and she's like fight what just a feeling okay
3: <laughs> <laughs> i got a different feeling at
1: the end of this but we'll see <laughs> And then the dirt does rise up. I mean, there's no mystery. Superman is coming back to life, and they just cut away as credits roll. I mean, he'll be alive whenever we get to Justice League, which is 2017. But how anxious are we for that Justice League movie? Jacob Stewart, what is the verdict on Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice? Jacob.
2: Uh, After seeing that, it was a hung jury. Like, I really had to think about this one because- Look. What did you like? Well, listen (laughs) up and I'll tell you. I'm getting there. And I've said what I've liked as we've talked about this. Obviously, the story is clunky. Like, this feels weighted down by a lot of problems I've seen in a lot of the superhero movies where things are just contrived. And it's just how do we get to the points where fighting happens and things blow up? Like... Yeah, it's a clunky film, but it also had, look, I'm the comics fan. It had those moments that I enjoyed, like when Wonder Woman, you see that picture of her from 1918. When you see these clips, uh, not Cyborg, but you see Aquaman and you see the Flash showing up. You get that crazy dark side dream going on. Like th- There are moments that I liked, and I like this interpretation in a kind of fan fiction, Elseworlds kind of way of Batman, where he has just gone crazy and he he's taken extreme methods. Is it recommendable? <sighs> like, I think about the other superhero movies that I've seen where I've been on that line. I mean, I like this more than Green Lantern, Days of Future Past, as real iffy on It's around that territory. I'm going to give this a weak recommend. I think if you're into superhero movies there's enough stuff here that you're going to enjoy if you you know heaven forbid i say this if you're able to enjoy watching michael bay smash transformers together this is better than those films i feel so it's it's a weak recommend but you know it's a split decision just one justice went with the film so very weak yeah weak recommend for batman v superman do it
3: my jaw i still i excuse me while i pick it up off the floor
2: Uh, (laughs) wow Wow! Really? I thought we were in. Yuma Look, somewhere. I liked Superman three. I liked Batman and Robin. I recommended those too. Are you saying this movie is Batman and Robin? I need clarification. (laughs) There are different kinds of enjoyments.
3: I think what he's saying here is what we probably are all saying to some degree, and that is because it doesn't work for us is not to say that there aren't moving parts that are working. It's the frustration that it has been so miscalculated. The why Batman versus Superman is not a good movie is mostly because they haven't convinced us in the storytelling that this battle needed to happen. But does the battle work? Yeah, I think if you like visuals and action, there's enough here probably to recommend. But we're talking to me. I need a story. (laughs) And this damn well does not work in the third half. I mean, it falls apart embarrassingly. Like I said, I don't know how much they spent on this. Half a bazillion dollars. They need to spend another half a bazillion dollars and just reshoot this ending because it is a complete and total failure as far as the the whole blackmailing him with the mama thing is just... Not what they promised. They told us that these were two guys that had a public disagreement and were going to settle it in a battle. And to be blackmailed into a half-assed fight before fighting against the greater evil, it is a complete and utter betrayal. Even if I had loved everything that came before, it would be a red arrow. But because the movie had been so spotty, it's even easier to give it that. I mean, Bruce has a line at the end saying, we can do better, we have to. I agree. We deserve better than this.
2: I agreed with that line, too, that they could do better. I'm looking forward to Suicide
1: Squad. And I agree with the line, we deserve better than this. I mean, it's telling to me that the best Batman scene I saw that entire night was the Lego Batman trailer that played before the movie. That
2: movie looks great. Which is not part of our Batman series. We're not doing it.
1: No, but I'm going to go see it. It looks fun. But the ending of this movie falls apart like Krypton. I mean, just... And I think that's why I'm so hard on this movie, is because everything Lex does from the moment he starts engineering Doomsday is ridiculous. I can't come up with a reason for any of it, and it is unnecessary. Now, I knew, I knew even before the second trailer, of course Batman and Superman were going to buddy up and beat a bigger evil. We were not going to leave this movie with one of them bloodied and bruised and the other one going, haha, I won. I knew they would fight and I knew there would be a bigger evil coming after them. Probably Lex Luthor. I didn't expect Doomsday till that second trailer. But yeah, all of that at the end is stupid. It is nuclear man stupid. But the fighting is well done. I mean, There's no logic behind it, but I did enjoy the fight, and I like that they tried to make the fight balanced. I mean, Wonder Woman has to hold Doomsday with the lasso, while Batman weakens him just a little with his last kryptonite gas bomb, and that is what allows Superman to spear him. It's fight action, stupid reasoning. Before that was like 45 minutes of mind-numbing dullness with the Senate and plot points that go nowhere. At the time they were happening, I'm like, well, these better pay off, and they don't. But that first hour, I was riveted. I really was. And I sat there like 90 minutes into the movie going, God, I didn't read any reviews coming in, but how could you not know about them, right? This movie just got slammed. And there's that wonderfully funny, sad Ben Affleck video with sounds of silence playing. I mean, I knew this. And I'm like, why does everyone hate this movie so much? It's not that bad. I've recommended far worse movies. And even though it did fall apart at the end, I've, I, I still think this is a recommendable film. I do. I just think.
3: What? Yeah. This is crazy. You guys just, I, I want you to play back the tape and hear what you said and then try to put together with the idea that you're telling people they should go
2: through that experience. I brought out the good and the bad. I talked about what I liked and what didn't work. I mean, you brought out the bad more than you brought out any good. No, no. Superman is bad and he dies in this film. That's a good thing. <laughs> okay, all right.
1: I and it. for me, I called out what I like too. I like the first hour. I like the setup. I like the ideas. I loved the Batman versus kidnapper fight. There's a lot of good here. I'll agree it's a weak, weak recommend. Like if we were doing a percentage system... And fifty percent of below is not recommended and fifty-one and up is recommend. We're sitting at like fifty-five percent because the ending is that stupid. But until the ending, we were sitting at a good seventy-five to eighty percent for me. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna recommend this film, even though I'm like I blame Snyder and Goyer for the <laughs>
3: stupidity of the end. Just know you're enabling them. You can say you hate them all you want.
2: You keep endorsing them. I bought one ticket. <laughs> Millions of people out there bought tickets. So I didn't enable them. Uh,
3: I
1: bought two, so I enabled them a little. But they're doing better than Brian Singer did. So kudos to both Goyer and Snyder. Yeah, and I'm... Actually, even though I feel it was ham-fistedly inserted into this movie, the little teases for Justice League Part 1 has me excited. Not as excited as I am for Suicide Squad. I still think Suicide Squad will be the first movie to truly jazz me and excite me about this universe. I am so excited for that film. I'm hyped. I actually am, like, buying a Joker figure. I'm that excited for it. A Jared Leto Joker. But as for the rest of this universe... We'll see. I mean, this year we got Suicide Squad, and just next year, I mean, there's not a whole lot of time. Wonder Woman is going to start it off, and then Justice League Part 1 is
3: going to be next year, 2017. Do you think that's on track? I mean, I understand they're going to make a lot of money, but they're also going to get a lot of hate. And they got a lot of hate last time, and they made a lot of money. Do you think that the... Overwhelming mixed reception. I didn't get the sense that people hated this movie. I got the sense that people were disappointed in this movie
2: critics hated this movie i don't the average movie go i again looking at their opening box office don't seem to be hating it
3: yeah i don't think they're going to look at
1: anything except what the box office is and it broke a record so i think they're going to continue i had heard rumors coming in that warner was concerned and they were considering abandoning justice league part one and instead pushing to 2018 with a ben affleck solo film what I'd heard going in, and it is true, the best part of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is Ben Affleck as Batman.
2: Which I never thought we'd be saying. No. Is he the best Batman ever? Nah, I still like Bale more, but the fact that I'd put him next is saying something. It really is. I'm, I'm there with you. He has
1: not proven himself the best yet, but he could be. So given that I heard they were rolling already on Justice League, I don't think they're going to change course based on this box office. They're going to keep pushing through. They've got to. Like you said, they're playing defense. They're playing catch up with Marvel. I think they got to do it.
3: Yeah, they've got. But I guess my point is, are they going to radically rethink whatever they're doing now? Just as this movie was a radical rethink of what they started with Man of Steel, you got to believe that we're going to get another cobbled together, mixed bag movie of ideas because they're responding. You're right. It's reactionary. They're not telling us a story. They're trying to anticipate what we want. And because of that, we just get really uneven affairs. You guys say recommend on this, but we all saw the same movie. And this is a highly
2: unsatisfying film. We work on a binary system. If I had to give this a, a different kind of score, a number score would be different. But we come down to yes or no, I got to pick one. Yeah. My question is, is the radical change we could get is getting rid of Snyder. Is he involved with Justice League? Is he still going to be around? It's Goyer script, Zack Snyder directing. <sighs>
3: All right. Yeah, there's no reason to anticipate a different response with with those elements still in play. You're going to get the same experience. We are going to get more of the same.
1: Snyder has said it will be more lighthearted. It will not be as dark as Batman v Superman. Okay. They're going to have the Flash in it. They're going to bring in the Flash's comedic banter stuff. So he's going to make the film lighter than this has been. I think Justice League Part 1, I could be wrong. I've, you know, they've pulled the plug before. I thought Green Lantern was also going to start something. But I think next year we will be sitting here talking Wonder Woman. That's past the point in overturn at this time. And we're going to be talking Justice League. Snyder did not direct that movie, by the way. Wonder Woman is a female director, I think. Yep. But I don't know that the Flash, Aquaman, 2019, they're saying Shazam and 2020, Cyborg and Green Lantern. Good luck, guys. I'm saying Kareem. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what the DC Extended Universe or what we're calling the DC Movie Universe is doing What we're doing is something totally different. But we're still sticking with comic books for a little while. Next week, we're still even going through
3: DC Universe with The Spirit. Two movies. I know it's probably better known as Frank Miller's vision from 2008 that nobody seemed to like. But before that, they tried on television. We're covering both. As well as finishing out DC with the least superhero property we've ever done for a comic book series, American Splendor, Paul Giamatti. A biopic. Yeah, a a fat schlub that wants to get the girl and gets cancer instead. Uh, We'll see how that goes. I've seen it before. I'm, I'm anxious to see how it will fit into the DC universe. And then
1: we're doing what so many have requested. It seems like our listeners, like we fall into a binary system. We've got the comic book fans and the horror fans. And the horror fans have been saying, where's Stephen King? Late April, Cujo, early May, The Running Man.
3: Yeah, I think that those will be ones that people will want to hear. Those are some of the big Stephen King iconic titles.
1: And of course, we're continuing our Avengers series with Captain America's Civil War. I think we're going to see a better hero on hero fight. I think we're going to see stakes in that movie that this one lacked. And then we're going to do a different kind of superhero,
3: Hellboy and Hellboy 2.
2: Yeah, getting back to Del Toro and Monsters.
3: Not kicking off a Dark Horse retrospective. I just want to point out, we're not moving on to Barbed Wire. No Sin City. No, Yeah, but... (laughs) The Mask. Yeah, we're not doing those.
1: Son of the Mask is a reason not to do that alone. I've seen it.
3: (laughs) But yeah, we did have a two-week slot before we get to the new X-Men, so why not keep it in the comic book superhero tradition and do Hellboy? And I do want to say we're doing
1: Hellboy and Hellboy 2, the theatrical releases. We aren't doing the direct-to-video cartoon releases that have the same voice cast thank you and then morse continuing series if you didn't hear us say it last week we postulated hey there's some series it's hard work to do weekend of release it really takes a toll on us and there's certain series we may not be excited about i think we even said at the end of annabelle or or insidious one of those do you even want us to continue these series but the moment we thought about dropping them oh boy so we're doing them X-Men Apocalypse, that was never in question. TMNT2.
2: Heavily debated. Mostly
1: by me. You guys always want to do it. But are you, the st- Stun Stewart, the one championing Conjuring 2? When I'm like, at the end of one of those series with Blumhouse, we're like telling listeners, do you really want us to keep going back to <laughs> movies we don't like?
3: Annabelle was horrible. I can admit that that is not something we want to go back to. Uh, well, you are going back. I saw a sequel announced. Yeah, Annabelle 2 coming also. Oh, God. But I do like the actors in Conjuring. I think that is what is having me hopeful that uh, a part two could work. And yeah, it's going to go to England. Something about that seems appealing as well. So I'm definitely more optimistic about Conjuring 2 than Turtles 2, but we'll be doing both in June as well as kicking off, I think we should say it now, uh, another spy series. How can we not call it the Born retrospective? <laughs> Exactly. And we're getting Damon back. I, you know, once you lose your leading man, as they do in the fourth one, it comes a little illegitimate. And I was starting to think, oh, that's a series we don't want to do. But they actually got the Jason Bourne back for this July's Jason Bourne. Matt Damon is here. So it seems the right impulse to cover the five films that he was involved with, as well as a TV movie that Richard Chamberlain starred in in the 80s. And then, of course, more theatrical releases
1: with Star Star Trek Beyond, which I'm hearing mixed things, but I'm looking forward to going back to where no man has gone before. And then the film, honestly, after civil war, I'm most excited for this year, suicide squad. That, that, Bohemian Rhapsody trailer. Awesome.
3: Yeah, it looks good. It, it does look like the most exciting superhero movie of the year. And, and that's saying something, because I really want Civil War to be that film. But there's something very appealing about what they've got going for uh, a cadre of villains uh, that are going to work like a Justice League. Uh, fingers crossed that experiment really goes off. And then also, here's the big reveal. Starting in April... We
1: are starting our spring donation drive. Just to remind people or inform new listeners, Now Playing has no sponsors or ads. It costs money for our servers, for our bandwidth, for our equipment. You know, there's more than movie tickets that go into play here. There's a lot of work by a lot of people who are behind the scenes that we list in the credits, and we thank them all, but... We rely on listener support to do the show we do every week. And if you enjoy this review, if you enjoyed our Watchmen review, we got a lot of positive feedback and thank you to everyone who said positive things about it. But if you enjoy this show and want to see it keep going, we need your financial support. And during our donation drives, we say thank you to those who supported us with bonus podcasts. And as we've always done, we're doing three tiers, silver, gold, and platinum, we're starting our silver retrospective. It's a twofer that I'm calling Will Smith Saves the World.
3: Yes, it begins with uh, a trilogy of Marvel comics or Malibu comics, uh, Men in Black. We all know this series, although I've never actually watched one of them, and uh, I will be watching three of them. And then we drop that to go into gold, but we'll return in June to finish it off with Will Smith fighting aliens in Independence Day and the aliens coming back once Will Smith isn't in Independence Day 2. And that is for a donation of $10 or more made between
1: April 1st and July 31st. You get those five podcasts spread out over a couple of months there. But if you go a little bit bigger, if you do $25 or more, you're going to get some time travel. Yeah, that's our gold level
2: donation. You're going to get a total of 11 bonus podcasts. You'll get those five Men in Black and Independence Day. Plus, we're going back in time 30 years to the 1986 and just tackling some fun sci-fi fantasy movies from then.
3: Yeah, I mean, that has been a huge summer. We have talked about so many franchises that were spawned from it, including Marvel you know, there was an Alien chapter, Poltergeist, uh, so many things that were near and dear to me, but there were movies that didn't get franchised that I think were equally influential to our childhood, and that's what we kind of rounded up.
2: I think I've seen all these films as a kid in 86.
3: The banner is Sci-Fi of Summer 1986, and we're going in the order of release, starting with Critters. Which did get franchised, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It came out in April, and there were three sequels, and we We'll see them and talk about them on that single podcast, but we're covering the summer of 1986. So it is about that first critters, first and foremost. We're following that with Invaders from Mars. One of the few films
1: in this retrospective I've seen, I've seen half Invaders from Mars, was the only one of these I saw in theaters in 86.
2: Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to going back to that one, knowing it's a canon's picture. Yeah, exactly. It's the film that, well, there were several films. There was one
3: of the films that really put an end to canon. And then we're seeing one. I'm seeing it for the very
1: first time, but I remember the ads. The movie Space Camp. I've never seen it. I want to. And then one that I saw, I saw Labyrinth and Legend like back to back. I can't
3: remember. Is this the Tim Curry one? It is not.
1: I don't
2: know. It's the David Bowie one.
3: (laughs) Yes, definitely. And Muppets, Jim Henson. This was has become maybe one of the most beloved bombs of all time. It made no money in the summer of 1986, but I have known so many people that tell me they love it now, and that that's how they even got to know who David Bowie was.
2: Yeah, I've never gone back to it since 86. I did enjoy it then, but we'll see how it works now. I've seen it many times, and yeah, I think it'll be a good
3: discussion. Not quite sci-fi, but you know, fantasy. You get the point. And then another one that's not quite sci-fi, more like fantasy, but has a big
2: popular cult following. Come on, John Carpenter.
3: Yeah, I'm always up for Carpenter. I mean,
1: he wrote the forward to our book. Big Trouble in Little China. I'm excited. I've seen this movie once. I'm looking forward to a discussion. I've never had a discussion about it.
2: Yeah, this one's a big cult hit, too. It didn't work for me the first time I saw it, but we'll see how it goes this time.
1: And finally, ending on one I saw for the first time a couple years ago, Night of the Creeps. I saw it because it was an 80s legend film, and I wanted to kind of do some background research for one of the movies that is in our book. I saw this, and I, I really had a fun time with it. I am looking forward to that as the final film in our gold donation series.
3: Yeah, again, a big summer for science fiction. These may not be the best, but they're the ones we haven't covered, and we've rounded them up for you if you can make that donation. We hope to share them with you in between Men in Black and Independence Day. And then after all of those podcasts have been released, who are you going to call? If you have $35 in the bank, what'll we review? Ghostbusters! (laughs) And Ghostbusters too, And this new thing that, well, we'll see how it turns out. People are mixed. We are mixed. <laughs> amongst ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how, it, how the new one will be, but I know everyone loves the first one. We'll be talking about all three. And I, I think finding interesting things to talk about in all of them.
1: Yes, we'll be ending with that theatrical release in mid-July. And again, all the money you donate goes to the show and helping us stay on the air. Even if you don't want to hear us talk Night of the Creeps, Big Trouble, Independence Day, Ghostbusters, Men in Black, any donation you can make, we are extremely grateful for. And you do get these extra podcasts that, after the end of July, will be in the vault and no longer available.
3: Really looking forward to it. It's a lot of nostalgia, a lot of fun movies, a lot of sci-fi. I hope you can join us.
1: And also, if anybody's going to be in Indianapolis in late April for Indiana Comic Con, Marjorie and I are hosting a screening of Howard the Duck at 7 p.m. on Saturday at the convention. Leah Thompson's at the convention, so hopefully some Now Playing Podcast listeners come out and have a good time. You can find all the details about the con at indianacomiccon.com. So we'll be back next week with the spirit. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next week, justice has been served.
2: We've received a letter from Batman this morning. Please inform the citizens of Gotham that Gotham City has earned the rest from crime. But if the forces of evil should rise again to cast a shadow on the heart of the city,
0: call. Me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Batman movie retrospective series. Well, that was very brief. Just like all the men in my life. Part of our DC Comics movie series. Fortune smiles, another day of wine and roses. Or in your case, beer and pizza. <laughs> Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another Batman movie culminating in a weekend of release review of Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. My business, repeat, customers. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, check out our archives where you can find reviews of other comic-based movies, such as Green Lantern, The Avengers, X-Men, Howard the Duck, and many more. If you gotta go... (laughs) You can also listen to our non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many others. Now that's impressive! You can set your bat phone to subscribe and get every new Now Playing podcast. RSS subscription details are at nowplayingpodcast.com. What is it you really came here? While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss this show with other listeners. Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. Come on, you gruesome son of a bitch. Come to me. <laughs> the link to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. you made it i'm so thrilled support from listeners like you help keep now playing operating so what are we waiting for let's consummate our fiendish union you can find the link to donate using paypal at the bottom of our website nowplayingpodcast.com it's not about what i want it's about what's fair You can also show your love of Now Playing podcast by shopping in our store, where you can't get capes and cowls, yet you can buy panties, t-shirts, coffee mugs, calendars, mouse pads, and much more. Alfred, let's go shop. Yes. Now Playing's Batman Retrospective series is edited by Brock, Alex, Nick, and Arnie. He screams. Now playing credit narration by Brock. I hate when people talk during the movie. Now playing is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Pictures or DC Comics. Batman and all that DC's Infinite Earths contain are the property and trademark of DC Comics and no infringement is intended. The law doesn't apply to people like him or us. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Vinganza Media Incorporated. This is why Superman works alone. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved. Gotta go, so many people to kill, so little time.
2: And I said this on The Man of Steel I don't like this Superman, this, is it Henry Cavell?
1: Cavill. I I did listen. It's Cavill. Cavill.
2: We said Cavill the whole last show. Cavill. Okay. I mean, this Henry Cavill.
3: Even if what Bat Affleck is doing, I call him Bat Fleck. Um, He's been assigned to sports by
1: Perry Mason, who is this headline spouting cliche of a newspaper. Not Perry Mason. Perry White.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That would be a crossover that would be really strange. <laughs> Perry Mason versus Ironside.
2: Yeah, yeah. if it was Perry Mason, he would have figured out Clark Kent was Superman, unlike <laughs> this Perry White.
1: Here were he, Perry Mason, Lois Lane.
3: Here, Perry, Perry White. White. I think everyone is underutilized. I think Batman and Superman... I think Batman and Superman are under... I think Batman and Superman are underutilized. (laughs) They're lubalized. Here's what I will say. I feel his pain. I feel the pain of someone that is doing his best to do good and at every given turn is vilified for it. It's called podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: I still didn't realize...
2: Go, go ahead. And uh, I still didn't
0: realize.
2: <laughs> I thought you said go.
1: They're doing better than Brian Singer did. So kudos to both Goyer
3: and Snyder. Wait, what? This movie's better than the X Men movies? No, better than Superman Returns. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, don't even. No, that. No, we've just added an hour to this podcast as I <laughs> challenge you on
1: that.
3: <laughs> oh, Superman Returns. All right, whatever. Yeah, I know you hate it forever. <laughs>
1: So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me, and I'll record a closing line later.
0: (laughs) Great.